Hey there, everybody. Angela Bowen here, the host of Looking Back on My Wonder Years, a Wonder Years podcast. Well, it's September, and I thought of a perfect true story movie to review for the month of December because it's back to school month. Granted, there are others that have started in August, but primarily we always refer to September as the back to school month. The movie I'm going to review today, originally, when I saw this movie back in 1996 on television, it's a TV movie, it was called For My Daughter's Honor. This movie starred Nicole Tom. You'll know her from the first two Beethoven movies. She was also in the 90s sitcom The Nanny with Fran Drescher. She played the oldest, the oldest Sheffield kid. She played Maggie. And Gary Cole is also in this movie. You'll know him from the Brady Bunch movie. Of course, a very Brady sequel. Also came out, I believe, the same year as this movie did. So, yeah, when I saw this movie, I'd already seen... I'd already seen the Brady Bunch. I might have also seen a very Brady sequel. But let me read the IMDb synopsis. In Tate, Oklahoma... A popular coach, Pete Nash, is accused of having a sexual relation with 14-year-old Amy, one of his school's pupils. So basically one of his students. On IMDb, this movie is rated a 6.2 out of 10. Also, starring in this movie, we have Mary Kay Place. We have a young Allison Hannigan of American Pie and How I Met Your Mother fame. And Sarah Rue, who has been on the Big Bang Theory a few times as Leonard's girlfriend, I believe. I never watched Big Bang Theory all the way through, but Jeremy, I bought the season sets for him, and for the last few months, he finally finished the series, but he would just, like, binge all the episodes, and occasionally I would be downstairs and having to sit through it. But then again, he's had to sit through a lot of my stuff, too. So I'm looking at Sarah Rue's IMDb. She was in 14 episodes of a show called Phenom as Monica. She played a teenage Roseanne in 1992. She was on Blossom. I mainly remember her as the girl who was cutting up um, those pop can plastic rings that you have to cut up with scissors because that's what she was doing. But I remember, yeah, she was in Can't Hardly Wait. As the eco-friendly girl who tells Amanda Beckett, played by Jennifer Love Hewitt of Party of Five fame, and the I Know What You Did Last Summer movie, she's like, how do you not know Preston? He only sat behind you in all of high school. And she says, you're all sheep. And looks at Amanda Beckett and says, bah, and walks away. And it's <laughs> I find that memorable. Granted, that was after this movie. So, she was also in... Oh, she played Earth Girl. She did not have an actual character name. Just a character signifier. She was also in the show Popular for 43 episodes. Oh! Oh, I know! Yeah! She was in Pearl Harbor, the movie, with Ben Affleck and Josh Hartnett and Kate Beckinsale. She played one of the nurses. 
Oh, she was on a show called Less Than Perfect, which ran from 2002 to 2006. She was in 81 episodes as Claude Casey. So I'm looking at Allison Hannigan, kind of trying to see what she did prior to this movie, which came out before American Pie. She was in a couple episodes of the show Almost Home, which is a sequel spinoff to the Torkelsons. She played in a couple episodes as the love interest of Jason Marsden, Gregory. She was in Switched at Birth. Not the television show, the uh, actual movie. Which is a good movie. It's actually on YouTube, definitely. And that is also based on a true story. She was also in Roseanne. She played a character named Jan. She was on a show called Free Spirit. She played Jessie Harper. 14 episodes. She was in the show Touched by an Angel for an episode called Cassie's Choice. I've not seen the whole episode, but I think... There's a song in that episode that is by Trisha Yearwood. I remember that song playing in the background. Let me see if I can find. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, She was also, she played Willow on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I'd never watched, I tried to watch the first episode of Buffy and I just, sadly, I couldn't get into it. This movie was directed by Alan Metzger. Looking at this guy's IMDb, basically it's all a bunch of TV movies. Which, there's nothing wrong with it. He also directed an episode of the show Second Noah. Which, I watched that show. I watched that for the twins. Jeremy and John Torgerson played Ranny and Danny. And I, I always liked Ranny, but... Alright, all right, get into some trivia real quick. This movie is based on the 19, November 1994 Texas Monthly article by Skip Hollinsworth entitled The Seduction of Jane Doe. Which, I do have that... On my phone, I bookmarked that so I could read for a basis. This is a true story of Brooke Graham and her experience that started when she was a freshman in the fall of 1986 at Taylor High School in Taylor, Texas. So, okay, the move, the story in real life takes place in Texas. The movie, of course, in, in Oklahoma. Coach Lynn Stroud was a popular and handsome football coach and biology teacher at Taylor High School. He moved to Taylor, Texas with his wife and three children in 1981. So his real name is Lynn Stroud, and in the movie, his character's name is Pete Nash. Granted, the character of Brooke here is actually played by, like I said, Nicole Tom. Amy Dustin is her character. So, the, yeah, they had to change names and stuff. We have a tagline here. It says, it was the perfect small town school. The one place she thought her daughter was safe. But when a teacher betrayed that trust, one mother fought back. The other tagline is, she was young, lovely, and innocent until she met him. Why does that sound like victim shaming? I don't like that. Now, I think, as I said at the beginning, um, I saw this on TV in 96. I was 14, so I was the same exact age as the character Amy in this movie. Sadly, I did not get to see how it ended originally because I had a bedtime of, like, 9, 9.30. So I got to watch, like, maybe an hour of it. Luckily, uh, a teacher 
saw the whole thing and told me the ending. But then I would later, like, tape it off the television down the road, so. Soundtracks. Oh, what a thrill. Performed by the Mavericks from the album What a Crying Shame. That was another thing that hooked me in this movie. Was the Mavericks album. I had that album. I had that CD. It was released in November of... 1994, so I would have been 12. I got it for Christmas, along with my first portable CD player. Alright, so that's enough <laughs> for that. Let me read the article real quick. It's not very long, and we're going to jump right into this movie. Guys, um, I was reading the review. I thought it was short, but it really goes on for a very, very long time. It just goes on about... The victim, the girl, Brooke, and just talking about the teacher and how one of the students said to Brooke that if you get in Mr. Strode's class, as long as you wear a mini skirt, you look nice, you're gar- and you put a smile on your face, you're guaranteed to get an A. And also another girl that the person interviewed for this article said that He would be, like, your best friend, always asking, you know, giving you advice on your boyfriend's problem, boyfriend problems and all of that. And the guy was, like, everyone's best friend. He would wander the hall between classes, cracking jokes, slapping backs, casually throwing his arm around a student. He came on as the kid's best friend. He'd also help you with your grades in another class. Basically, he'd fix any problem you had. And he'd let kids borrow, girls borrow his truck, even though they didn't have licenses. So as we get, when we get into the actual movie, we do see the whole him writing her a note saying, you look pretty today. She writes one back, say, you look good yourself. And then that kind of initiates things to slowly start to build over time. So basically, um, Brooke is trying to just get her life back together. She's, this happened in 86. This article was in 94. She's 22 years old. She's trying to get her life back together. She lives in an undisclosed city in Texas. The coach now lives somewhere outside of Taylor, Texas. He was a well-known football coach. And it's just, it's amazing how this one incident has just sparked a huge fire, not just in this small town, but it's raising a lot of questions about the ethics of relationships between students and teachers, and just, like, trying to figure out the rumors from the truth when some kids are coming forward with their stories, their allegations of things that have happened, and people are just trying to suss out the truth. Like, are kids coming forward just trying to get money out of the school, or blame the teachers, or is it more about something actually did happen, and if that's the case, then we need to look into this further. But, yeah, this, I thought that was a short article, but it just, it goes on and on and on, and I really just want to get to this movie. So, without further ado, let's jump into this. So, we open up the movie on Amy's bedroom. It's her first day of high school. She's getting dressed. You look... The camera kind of spans along the bedroom so you get an idea of she's got a lot of stuffed animals, a lot of stuffed animals, and she's got a makeup mirror, a large makeup mirror, just, and the top of 
the dresser is just covered, covered in different types of either shades of lipstick, um, mascara tubes, blush, everything. She's kind of dressed pretty nicely. She's wearing a nice blue short sleeve top, a nice decent skirt, looking for her shoes. Her mother keeps calling like, Amy, we gotta go. We're gonna be late. She comes downstairs. Her dad's like, oh, my baby's first day of high school. And the mother's like, if we don't get going, it's gonna be your second day of high school. And right away, you can hear, even when Ancy, or Amy was answering her mother, the accent. Because this is supposed to be... The movie's set in Oklahoma, however, the actual events took place in Texas. So. so Amy and her mother come out to the van, and Amy, of course, says, You know, Ma, if I had my own car, my own, my, you know, I, I could drive myself to school, and you wouldn't have to worry about getting late to the office. Granted, her mother's like, yeah, and then I'd have to worry about the fact that you're an unlicensed driver driving around town. I don't think so. This gets brought up more than once in this movie. They're driving to school along this long stretch of road, and you see nothing but those oil rigs, like, drilling for oil and stuff like that. They're like, if you're driving on a road... That has nothing but those cell phone towers. We see on the car ride, her mother's like, are you nervous? It's your first day of school. And Amy's eating, like, a bagel or a hash brown sandwich or something because, you know, she didn't have time to sit down and eat a proper breakfast. So they're driving, and the first thing we see is the football field. We see the players out there doing the jumping jacks and everything like that. And this football field spans, like, a lot of feet until we finally get to the high school. We see the, high, the Taylor High School sign. It says, Welcome Back, Wildcats. That's the team name, the Wildcats. So Amy gets out of the van, goes over to her mom's side, and says, Hey, don't worry so much. It'll be fine. She goes off to see both her friends are redheads, which is, I just realized that. Allison Hannigan and Sarah Rue. And they're all excited. It's like, oh, I can't believe it felt like forever to finally get to be in high school. And here we are. It's so cool. So, Sarah Rue's got a little bit of dirt to dish here, as she says, this girl named Candy something or other is dating a senior already, and the rumors around school already on the first day are that she and the senior are already doing it. They say the word doing it. Well, Sarah Rue does. A, a lot. And a pretty de decent amount. I love... <laughs> Amy's uh, clap back here is like, oh, she's not doing it any more than you are. And Sarah Rue's character is like, how do you know I'm not? And then Ash, uh, Allison Hannigan says, because if you did, the whole school, all of Tate High would know about it. <laughs> First day and they already got a pep assembly. I hated pep assemblies in school. It was just ugh, loud, noisy, just ugh. And right away, we can see the assistant principal. Everyone likes to hug the kids and be really friendly with them to the point where they could be crossing. You would not get away with this today. That principal is just, 
Like, hey, everybody, how you doing, Wildcats? And the kids are all, yeah, Wildcats, go. We're going to have a great year. And he's, this assistant principal or the principal, one of them, is hugging the cheerleaders. The girls are fine with it. Like, it's no big deal. He does this all the time with everybody. Football team comes out, and Allison Han I gotta find the names out, because I'm not going to call them Sarah Rue and Allison Hannigan the whole movie. <laughs> Well, this doesn't help me much at all. We have Kelly, as played by Allison Hannigan, and Kimberly. They're both their names got to be K. That's great. That's going to be confusing. But Kelly's like, oh my gosh, so and so, the quarterback of the football team, he's so cute. And Kimberly looks at her like, yeah, like he's ever going to date a freshman. And Amy adds how, yeah, he's really stuck up just by the looks of this guy. Yeah, he looks like. Someone, he's just got a, like, a look on his face like he's unhappy. Um, we get a shot of Coach Nash. Principal's like, and the amazing Coach Nash. So you, Kelly is the one to say, talk about a babe, Coach Nash. I'm like, oh, what? You, Kelly? Seriously? <laughs> no, Kelly said, now that's who I call a babe. And at first I'm like, is she talking about another guy? But then she says Coach Nash, and I'm like, whoa, girly. Whoa. So they say that Coach Nash is actually from Ohio, and Amy says, wow, me too. I'm also from Ohio. And, of course, uh, Kimberly has to say, well, yeah, if you're a pretty girl, he lets pretty girls get away with anything. Very thick southern accent, Kelly. Kimberly, see, I told you, why couldn't you give them different names with different letters? I, but I want to play this clip, because this does kind of set up the girls are already gossiping in about, about Coach Nash. The very best coaching staff, headed by our own Peter Nash. <laughs> I gotta say, Kim, if you want to learn about anything about anybody in Tate High, Kimberly's the girl to go to for all the dirt on everybody. Especially, apparently, Coach Nash. Um, not only does he let the pretty girls get away with anything, every year he's got a special little pet that he picks that he lets, they don't even have to do any homework. Just, every, every single year there's always somebody that he picks out that he kind of takes under his wing and gives undivided attention to. So yeah, not only is Coach Nash a football coach, he's a biology teacher. He's a man of many trades. And you can see, just by this pep assembly, that everybody, all the kids, they love this guy. They love him. They think he, he can do no wrong in their eyes. He probably even has a statue in his honor somewhere in that little town. So... Mr. Nash here wants to know from the class, what are the parts of a flower? 
Anybody? Don't everybody answer all at once now. So, he goes after Kimberly and says, uh, Kimberly, uh, Kimberly Jones, is it? And Kimberly, like, sits up really straight. Yes? And he asks, anybody ever sent you flowers? Or no, he asks if she's got a boyfriend. That is very, uh, that's a no-no. <laughs> you don't ask that. But anyway, he's trying to work this into the flower segment. And he said, is, Wayne, is it Wade or is it Wayne? We don't ever see him, but I can't tell if it's Wayne or Wade because they both sound very identical. Anyway, I'll call him Wayne. He says, has Wayne ever sent you flowers? And we hear from the back some guy's like, yeah, if he could steal them. So apparently this Wayne is a troublemaker. He's got problems. He may even be doing jail time for all we know. Um, and everyone laughs, including Amy, who's sitting right next to Kimberly. And Kimberly kind of nudges, like, please don't laugh at that. <laughs> like, you're my friend, don't laugh. So Nash gives up, goes over to Amy, and says, Amy, right? Amy Dustin, is it? And she, yeah. And he says, well, has anyone ever sent you flowers? And she's like, no. And he looks at her and says, they will. I'm like, okay, wow, you are definitely, you're stepping over that, you're, you're towing that line, sir. <laughs> I'm going to play this clip. Okay, who can tell me the parts of a flower? Anybody? Not all at once? Uh, Kimberly? Kimberly Jones? Kimberly, do you have a boyfriend? Yeah. What's his name? Wayne. Wayne. <laughs> Has Wayne ever sent you flowers? Yeah, if he could steal them. <laughs> Amy, Amy Dustin. Hi. Hi. Has anybody ever sent you flowers? No. They will. Um, isn't the flower like where the seeds are? The flower contains the reproductive organs of the plant. So, ladies, when that guy sends you flowers, what's he really sending you? <laughs> He's always talking dirty in class. I don't like it. Another girl to kind of get class back on track here while he is making goo-goo eyes at Amy says, well, isn't the plant like where the seeds are and right away Nash goes into well the flower is what holds a reproductive organ so when a guy sends you flowers what is he really sending you like dude Kimberly even is like yeah he's always talking dirty in class I don't like it and it's like girl you just had him for this one day but she's probably, you know, gotten wind of this guy does kind of talk with innuendos and stuff. You know, being inappropriate. Already we've seen that and heard that this guy is inappropriate. Especially by today's standards. So, for the side story here, the father has his own business. He's really struggling to bring in money and customers. And 
he's dealing with some guy from the bank saying, hey, don't worry, you'll get your money. And the bank guy says, yeah, the secretary already got your collateral. And then Amy comes in after school. And the bank guy, I guess, known Amy since she was a little girl. Like, oh, you remember my daughter Amy, don't you? And the guy's like, oh, yeah, you sure grew up to be a pretty thing. <laughs> I don't like that at all. So right away, you get that these people just, it's, this movie came out in 94, back in the day, it just seemed like people, men were really loose still with how they talked with women so freely, you know, him saying, oh my, Amy, you've grown up to be such a real pretty girl, and the secretary as um, Amy's dad and the bank guy are walking out. And he turns to, I'm guessing it's Amy's dad's secretary, says, hey, when's your husband going to be a, put a bun in that oven? <laughs> but the lady just laughs it off like it's nothing. Um, they also talk about, you know, Tate's chances for the football championship this year, how this town really needs to, to you know, recover its losses in a way. It's kind of limping. Oil prices are down, so they need something to grab onto, something to inspire the town's hope. Give them something to look forward to and something to root for. So from what I'm seeing, this guy runs an auto sales shop, like a kind of a mom and pop type of place. You know, a rival to like the big, the big names like Ford, Honda, Chevy, whatever you want to you know, those types of big, big, it's a small town, so, but clearly there's money issues here. When the guy, right before the bank guy leaves, he's like, hey, you're going to give me that check Friday, right? And Amy's dad's like, oh, yeah, you got it, you got it, it's going to be in the mail. So that is going to be an issue that is going to come up in the story. That is going to be a preliminary issue between Amy's parents, is going to be constantly fighting about money, and how... They'd have more money if um, Amy's father's brother wasn't a layabout or I guess whether they had to bail him out or something to that effect. So at dinner later that evening, Amy is still all about the, I want a car. It'd be easier on you. you can, Mom, you can take afternoon classes. You wouldn't have to worry about picking me up from school. And her mother is pretty much dead set against it. It's like, honey, I do not want you driving unlicensed. You are only 14 years old. And her mom's right. It's like they don't give 14-year-olds driver's licenses. And Amy's like, well, no, I don't need a driver's license. I just need a car. Sweetie, in order to drive a car, you have to have a driver's license. You cannot just drive a car without a license. That's not how that works. No, they give temporary ones to, like, 12 to 14-year-olds who are working on a farm. Because my cousins were driving back when they were, like, 11 and 12 years old. When they were just, like, driving around the farm and everything like that. And that's how they learned how to drive. You know, it would be so much easier on you, Mom. You'd be able to take afternoon classes instead of having to drag me all over town. Plus, you could get your homework done at a reasonable hour. It would save you so much time. You're 14, honey. 
They don't give driver's license to 14-year-olds for a good reason. Well, I don't need a driver's license. All I need is a car. And Dad said that he no. would get me... Honey, that's it. You're too young to have a car, Come period. Come on, Betty Ann. She's a damn good driver. She's better than most of the women in this town. It's against the law. Well, it's a stupid law. Okay, actually, it's not Amy's father's... or Amy's father's brother... It's the dad, and the dealership actually belonged to the father, who I'm guessing must have passed away and left his son a crumbling dealership to have to deal with. And supposedly he was breaking some laws, which means that now that Amy's father has to clean up this entire mess, as Amy's mother coolly reminds her husband. Like, if it weren't for your daddy and having to deal with, you know, him picking and choosing what laws to to abide by and which ones he felt he could break, we wouldn't be scrambling to save the dealership. So, they're arguing back and forth. Poor Amy, you know, she's out the whole, I want to drive this mess and everything like that, and just... She's an only child, the parents are constantly arguing and stuff about money, so she feels like she's not being heard. Also, we learned that the mother does interior design, as the father says, Why don't you stick to what you know, which is your interior design stuff, and let me handle the business. Thank you. Now we go back to school. It's the next week, and the teacher is kind of berating the students on their work, like you did a little bit better than last time on your papers, but by a little better means it's really, it could stand to be improved by a lot. So he hands these folders back that have the papers in them, and there is a paper with a note on it. It's being, this is off YouTube, I can barely read that. I think it says something like, you look pretty today, or you look nice today, because I've seen this movie a gazillion times. I know, I know, that sounds weird. But anyway, so I'm guessing it says something like that, and then she writes him a note back saying, you look good in blue. Because, you know, he's wearing a blue shirt. So, it comes the thing of, you know, they're passing little notes back and forth to each other. Like, someone, I mean, if you want to call it harmless flirting, I really don't think it's harmless at all. I think the fact that he made that jump by writing this letter, putting it in her head, this harm, this, why do I keep saying it's harmless? It's not harmless. It's a, it's a, it's a crush that escalates into something from a, a criminal act. Now, I'm not going to lie, when I was 11 years old, I had a crush on a teacher. It never went this far. Never, 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 never went that far. I, I liked the guy. I liked how he smelled. You know, he wore a certain type of cologne and everything like that. And I just, I had a crush that went on even after I didn't have him for a teacher anymore. And I actually, and I feel so stupid even the fact that I did this, I call, you know, the operator, because back in the day, when you wanted to look up a phone number by a person, you had to call the operator. I think I, I did, I did call him over the summer, and yes, that was me overstepping my bounds in a major, major way. Amy looks up and makes eye contact with Nash, and he kind of, you know, smirks at her, like, 
Oh, you read my note. And she kind of smiles at him. Kimberly, who's still seated next to Amy, kind of looks over, glance, sees that note, and kind of looks at her like, okay, something's, she already knows something's going on. Even if it's in the early stages, something's, like, going on between Amy and Nash. Just like all these other girls, these little pets that he's picked every single school year, he's chosen Amy to be, in my mind, his next victim. Kimberly sees that note, and she kind of almost side-eyes if she were, you know, she's staring right at the teacher, like, yeah. Kimberly's found out who, uh... Mr. Nash's uh, pet of the school year is going to be, and it's going to be Amy. So the class starts to head out of the room at the end of the hour, and Nash kind of pulls Amy aside and just says, Hey, you want to earn some extra credit? Amy's like, yeah, sure. He's like, well, what class do you have next period? She says, English. He's like, well, cut it. Don't worry. I'll write you a note. I really could help use your help in grading these papers. So... Right away, already doing favors. So Amy's at her desk grading the papers and she just lets out this big <sighs> sigh. And Nash hones right in on that because he's sitting at his desk and he's like, oh, is, is there something bothering you? And she's like, mm, no, not really. And uh, he's like, let me guess, your parents, right? And she doesn't say anything, but you can tell the look on her face. She's like, oh, bingo, I got it. Let me get, it's your parents. So right away, he's turning into this, hey, I'm a confidant. You have problems at home. You can unload on me. It's absolutely fine. I have a shoulder right here to cry on anytime you want. So, you know, he's being her friend. He's trying to, you know, hook her in that way. Often her offering her, you know, all you can cut it, your class, you can grade papers for me, giving her special treatment, stuff like that. So I'm going to play this clip here as Amy kind of divulges about her parents always arguing. Doesn't seem, doesn't matter what the subject is, it always ends up in a fight, and how she feels like she's being left out of the family like we're not even a family anymore because we don't do anything together and even if we did it ended up in a fight one parent's blaming the other it's like yeah I understand you know parents sometimes they get so caught up in what they're doing they forget the fact that they have a child there that they need to be taken care of and I gotta kind of wonder if his other previous victims of course you know they're pretty girls but he probably seeks out the ones that are have problems at home or they're insecure and they're shy. And people that he can kind of, girls that he can mold and into what he wants and everything like that. Girls that he thinks wouldn't fight back. You know, they can be easily manipulated or brainwashed or taken advantage of. Because, you know, he's the authority figure. Something bothering you? No. Parents? Uh-oh, they can go. I'm just 
seems like all they ever do anymore is fight. I mean, we never have a good time as a family anymore. No matter how it starts out, it always ends up in an argument. Must be rough on you. Well, my dad's under a lot of pressure at work. And my mom just went back to school, and he hates that. So they take it out on you? Yes. <laughs> I've seen it all the time. Parents get so caught up in their own problems they don't see the effect it's having on their own kids. Anytime you need a shoulder to cry on, there's one right here. Just for you. Hey. I mean. You're special. He has really singled her out. He's telling her that she's special and that he's got a shoulder for her to cry on if she needs it. And just the fact that she's having issues, you know, her parents are fighting and ignoring her. He's giving her attention as well. So this is really major red flags. And I think Amy likes the attention a little. I'm not blaming her in any way. If I were, you know, her age and I had a crush on a teacher... I maybe like the attention, but that's all it should ever be. It, it really shouldn't even be that. Whereas a teacher really, I don't think nowadays, can even single a child out really for anything without there being people wondering what their underlying intentions are. So Amy somehow wrangled Kimberly and Kelly into tagging along. To watch the football practice. Not the games, but the practice. And Amy's like, come on, you go to football games, don't you? This is basically the same thing. The whole town would go to practice if they could. And just watch them play. Like, uh... But Kelly sees through it. It's like, because... Amy sees... They're hanging out in the bleachers. And Amy's just got this big cutesy dopey smile on her face like Kelly is like oh Amy's in love with coach Nash no Kelly's like gosh watching football practice is about as interesting as watching paint dry and Kimberly's like oh she Amy just wants to see her boyfriend and Kelly's like what boyfriend and Kimberly's like coach Nash like don't deny it Amy like oh god and it's funny how Kelly's like, Earth to Amy, he's like 50 years old. I think he's like 40. But still, they're 14. Just, ugh. What starts out as seemingly semi-innocent crush, just, uh, when that guy starts, I'll get to it, the whole making out, but it's just, it's gross. And then when he eventually takes his shirt off, and he goes, <coughs> Guys, you go to the football games, don't you? Half the town would be at practice if they could. Oh, Amy, watching football practice is about as much fun as watching paint dry. Well, she just wants to see her boyfriend. What boyfriend? Coach Nash. She has the most major crush on him. <laughs> so, Kelly has a crush on Bobby Earl, doesn't she? <laughs> Which is exactly why I don't want to hang around practice. It'll look so obvious. Come on, you guys, it'll be fun. My God, look at her. Amy's in love. Earth to Amy. 
Earth to Amy, he's like 50 years old. He's a teacher. So Kimberly and Kelly are trying to bring Amy back down from cloud nine where she's just thinking of her and Coach Nash. And Kelly's like, he's like 50 years old. And Kimberly's like, yeah, and he's a teacher. Not, oh, this is so wrong, immoral, what you're thinking. And it's illegal. And he's so old for you. So he spots her because there's no one else in these stands. Just these three girls. And Amy couldn't look more, like, in love with him. And obvious. As he puts his hands out, his fingers, like, points at her, both fingers. Then he taps with two fingers to his shoulder, like, remember, shoulder, your head here, crying on my shoulder. Remember that. So he sends her another note, which is probably like, hey, you look pretty in blue. Because he's wearing blue, she's wearing blue, and she writes a note back that says, hey, you look pretty good yourself, or something to that effect. And I think Kimberly kind of looks at her like, what in the world? Like, Amy, don't encourage this behavior. Oh, her, it says, you look cute today, too, because I guess his said, you look cute today. She says, you look cute today, too. I like the color of your shirt. Because he's wearing blue, and she's wearing blue. No, they did not color coordinate. They didn't plan that. It just happened. So as the class is filing out of the room, she drops uh, that paper on his desk. But she hangs back in the doorway, just outside of the doorway. Do you see his reaction when he looks at it? He turns his head, sees her in the doorway, and mouths, thank you. Like, oh, oh. <laughs> Did he just give her the peace sign? Like, peace. <laughs> so now we get a peek into Coach Pete Nash's home life. He... Got his oldest is 16 years old, right around Amy's age, a couple years older. He's got like five or six or seven kids. There's at least three of them at the table, and I think there might have been a couple in the background. One of them happens to have my name. Ugh. And his wife is just kind of nagging him about a coffee pot that somebody, they needed to get back from somebody that... Uh, Coach Nash worked with, works, works with, and something about making payments on their daughter's preschool, or we can't pay them this month, so I take it they have a kid in preschool that goes to private school, or I have no idea. So he takes off, he's gonna go work on his game plan, and it looks like it's the night of the big game. So Amy and her dad decide to go watch the Wildcats football game. Now, Amy's in her room and she gets a phone call. It's Coach Nash. At first, she's like, who is this? Turns out it's Coach Nash and he's with some of the other coaches. They're watching, like, the playback tape. Okay, yeah, she picks up the phone and he's like, hi. Oh, so then there's, like, dead silence. She's like, who is this? He's like, I'll give you a hint. It's someone who thinks you're real pretty. I'm like, oh, God. So, Amy, Ke Kelly, and Kimberly are hanging out. Um, the tailgate of a truck. I'm like, whose truck is that? Is that Nash's truck? And we just haven't seen it yet that he's taking them for a ride. Um, but they're waiting for Kelly's mom to come and get them all to take them home because it's, you know, school's out. And he mentions, hey, 
I have that article, Amy, I have that article for you that we were talking about, you know, in class. And she's like, she looks at him like, what article? And by that time, Kelly's mom is already there. It's like, Amy, my mom's like waiting. And the, Nash is like, don't worry, it'll be fine. Don't worry about it. She'll be right out. Oh, it's a magazine article that he says is in his locker. Like, in the locker room. Oh, good grief. So, Amy goes off with Coach Nash, and you see the worried looks of both Kelly and Kimberly. Like, what, her, she's supposed to go to her mom and say, oh, her mom's like, where's Amy? I'm sure Kelly's like, oh, well, she went off with Coach Nash into the boys' locker room. Oh, that's not raising some red flags? So, inside the boys' locker room, Amy's still asking about this magazine article because she doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. He takes his hat off his head and tosses it down. And he, she's like, well, what's going on? And, you know, she calls him Coach. Everyone probably calls him Coach Nash. And he doesn't say anything. He just kind of looks at her with a curious look. And then he kisses her. Not on the lips. He kisses her on the cheek. But then she kind of looks at him kind of weird like, what was that? But then she just smiles shyly and just walks away. Like, that was weird. He didn't say anything after he kissed her either. That guy's got some balls to be doing that on school property too. So the girls, I guess, what, get a free lunch period where they can just go off somewhere to this place called the Frozen Mug and have lunch? And Kimberly, of course, the gossip queen of Tate High, says their friend, the one who said she was doing it, decided to tell her parents, like, over dinner, and then the father apparently, like, has a heart attack, like, his head lands in his mashed potatoes at the table. Like, what in the world? And meanwhile, of course, Nash is there, you know, sucking out a bottle of, a bottle of beer. It's like, dude, don't you have a class to teach later? <laughs> Whatever. So Coach Nash ends up busting the girls. Like, shouldn't you girls be at school? And they're like, oh, well, we're having lunch. And Kimberly, oh my goodness, she's got some, yeah. She's like, oh, Coach Nash, that beer you're drinking sure looks tasty. Why don't you go get us some? So Nash kind of looks at Kimberly like, you don't mess around, do you? And she's like, no. And Ke Kelly is like, oh, no, no. Of course, that wouldn't be right. We want wine coolers. Like, yeah, they're girls. They want wine coolers. They don't want no beer. That's for the, that's for, uh, 40 plus year old men. <laughs> So, Nat, I estimate this is a small town, and you see other people at this frozen mug place. You see adults, other people from school, stuff like that. None of them even bat an eye at this grown man, this well-renowned teacher and coach, sucking on a beer and hanging with three teenage girls. Like, it's nothing. So, Coach says, hey, Amy, what do you think? Should I get these girls uh, wine coolers? And Amy kind of looks like she's been put on the spot, like, okay, sure. So I'm going to play this clip as the girls, Kimberly and Kelly, Kimberly especially wants to drive that big old monster truck of Nash's. So he hands over the keys and he and Amy kind of talk. Do not tell your parents anything. 
Can you ladies be in school? Hey, hey, Coach, we're on lunch. Oh, coach, that, um, that beer sure looks good. Why don't you get one for us? You don't mess around, do you? <laughs> Not always. You want me to buy you a beer? <laughs> no, girls, that wouldn't be right. We want wine coolers. <laughs> yeah, wine coolers. Come on, Coach. Well, how about it, Amy? You think I should buy these ladies a cocktail? Yeah. Hey, back. <laughs> I love how there's a little libation station liquor store right next to that frozen mug place. Like, how convenient. So, the girls are drinking their wine coolers, and Kimberly and Kelly are both kind of checking out the cassette tapes, because it's 1996 in this movie. And Kelly's like, oh, wow, neat tapes, Nash. And Nash is all like, yeah, my daughter gave them to me. And, you know, he's kind of drinking, you know, sipping on his beer, you know, with uh, Amy, you know, sucking on her, her wine cooler. He's like, yeah, you know my daughter Cassie, right? I mean, she's a sophomore over at uh, Jackson. So she doesn't even go to the same school. So this just is so weird later on. Well, he's like, you and her should hang out. You're close to the same age. I think you'd both really get along. It's just, it makes no sense. So Kimberly comes over because she's hanging out in the bed of the truck too. And she's like, hey, coach, this is like a sweet truck. Do you think I could take it for a drive? Take it for a spin? Oh, no, I'm sorry. She doesn't ask to take it for a drive. He says, hey, you want to take it for a drive? So he offers his vehicle like, oh, yeah, you girls just don't let anybody see you. Amy, you can stay here with me and hang out while the girls kind of go off on their own. Yeah. I'd like to know where the hell they're at. They look like they're in some, like, country bumpkin alleyway somewhere just out of town. So I'm going to play this clip as he talks with, with Amy. I think this is when he gives her the Mavericks cassette that I have the CD of. <laughs> Hey, Coach, neat tapes. Well, my daughter gave them to me. You know her? Cassie, sophomore over Jackson. Uh, she's on the basketball team. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've seen her. She's good. I think you two hit it off. I'll introduce you. Okay. This is such a great truck, Coach. You want to take it for a drive? Are you kidding? Don't let anyone see you. <laughs> Hold up. I'm gonna talk to you. Let him go. I can't believe it. I love them. I heard that song when I was driving around. It made me think of you. Songs say things better than words, don't you think? That's so nice. <laughs> yes, I am. That's always been my problem. I'm a little bit too much. Too much for Tate High School. Too much for this town. You are too, aren't you? 
You're different from most of the girls around here. Like you got something inside of you that's destined for something bigger. Or are you just gonna marry an ex-football player, have three kids, and push a shopping cart through a supermarket the rest of your life? Hope not. Real special. And don't let anybody ever tell you any difference. She's ripping open the wrapping paper. She, oh, the Mavericks, I love them. I'm like, I love them too. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, he says that song on there made me think of you. And I'm just thinking, which song? Was it, because the song, Oh, What a Thrill, does play in the movie. But in this, you know, YouTube version, they kind of play something over top of it. And he tells her how... Songs say things more than any, any words really can. They, they really, songs can get to the heart of the matter and what you're trying to say. So Amy kind of looks at him and says, you know, you're too much with, with this. And he's like, yeah, I'm too much. That's always been my problem. Too much for Tate High School. Too much for this little town. And he starts telling Amy how you are too, in a way. Like, I don't see you just staying here and marrying an ex-football player and popping out three kids and then eventually pushing a supermarket or a shopping cart in the supermarket for the rest of your life. She's like, no, I don't want that either. He's like, no, I see bigger things for you. Like, you're more than what this little town is. Well, she at first doesn't really understand. He's like, you are too, aren't you? You're too much. Because he's like, I'm too much for this high school, for this job, and for this town. I'm bigger than all of this. And she's kind of looking at him like, what do you mean? She's 14 years old. She doesn't know what it's like. This guy is clearly in an unhappy marriage. He's got like five or six kids. He's probably might have been a football player back in his day. And now he's saddled down with a wife and kids. And a job that he kind of sort of just goes with the flow. Like he wants more. And he it's almost like he sees Amy as this fresh escape from everything. And he keeps saying how, he's di how she is different from other girls. That she has something inside of her. And he sees it's like he's trying to build up her confidence. But in a way that benefits him. So he puts his arms, like, over her shoulders and, like, bends down so he's, like, eye level with her. Like, his forehead is touching her forehead. And saying, like, oh, let me guess, you're probably gonna end up here in this small town, stuck with the next football player, have three kids, and push a shopping cart in a grocery store, getting groceries, like, being a housewife, that's gonna be your life. And he keeps telling her that she's special, and he's, like, got his thumbs, like rubbing her cheeks and she just has this look on her face like she is just uncomfortable and 
slightly disgusted and confused like with this he's touching her in a way like if she were someone his age and not a 14 year old girl I mean this guy just like I said he's looking for an escape from his wife his life his kids his job and he sees that escape in Amy because she's you know, a fresh young face that he can mold to be who he wants her to be. It's, ugh. So this time he kisses her on the lips and then he just kind of holds her, hangs on her, you know, hand on her shoulder. Of course, then we notice somebody was watching. Turns out, we'll find out later, this is victim number one or two. This girl's clearly, she's out of high school. That might have been, there are a couple characters, what was there, uh, Missy Ross, this might be this, and, and this girl kind of looks like she might have come from a rough, like, like, he picks the girls that are most vulnerable and insecure with themselves. It seems like, yeah, he, he gets the ones that come from the troubled background that maybe need a little bit of guidance and reassurance. Okay, what in the world place was that guy, They that, that girl who was watching him kiss Amy, where, they were clearly out in public. Uh, whether that was a gas station, I'm gonna go back and look at that. They haven't left that frosty mug area, I don't think. Are you kidding me? This guy has no qualms about getting caught, or the fact that this small town lifts this man up onto their shoulders. He is on a pedestal. Because he's kissing a 14-year-old and nobody cares. Except for the one girl that was a previous victim of his. Yeah. He probably used the same line with her saying, You're special, you can be more than what you are, and this and that. On the drive back, he's driving, of course. And they're all screaming at the top of their lungs, smiling out wildcats. W-I-L-D-C-A-T-S! Wildcats! And he starts talking to her like, yeah, wild cats all the way, I'm gonna go all the way this year. Like, ugh. So now he's gonna sneak the girls in through the library. Granted, the three girls get distracted by the Xerox machine. And they want to, like, put their hands on it. Uh, Kimberly gets and sits on the Xerox machine. And he's, like, trying to, like, okay, we need to be quiet. Because I'm trying to get you back into school. They seemed like they were gone for a while. Like, they missed, like, a good chunk of the afternoon. Granted, the librarian just happens to witness... Not to mention, lest we forget that these girls have been sucking on wine coolers, so they're probably a bit on the tipsy side, so of course they're going to be loud and erratic and goofy. Like, oh, it's Xerox machine! I want to sit on it so my butt will come out on a piece of paper! This is just hilarious trying to watch him t try to take control over three girls. Like, no, no, girls, don't go back there behind the desk. Don't use that Xerox machine, girls. Girls, I'm talking to you. Go sit in that chair over there. Like, what? Dude, you already lost control a while back. They're kind of drunk, so they're not going to listen. Not to mention, they're so loud, and that library is so big and echoey, anybody in a classroom that is, like, ten feet away is going to hear them. Including the librarian that probably just got back from lunch. I want to play this clip as Kimberly is sitting on the Xerox machine, 
And she's like, hey, why don't you come get me, Coach Nash? Pick me up after off the Xerox machine. And he takes his coat off. It's like, this is so gross. So I'm going to play this clip because, yes, the librarian does catch him, like, holding Amy just below her ass. Like, he's holding her in his arms. And not just her, Kelly as well. <laughs> okay, come on. Come on in here. to a suitable volume, all right? Come on. Sit down over here. Put your stuff on the table. Why don't you have a seat over here? Where are you going? No, now don't go back in there. Now, come on. Ladies, ladies, you're not supposed to be back there. Come on. French fries, bro. Well, maybe you could use a few more push-ups. Oh! Oh, you're cruel, aren't you? <laughs> no, 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 try me. All right. Now, that's more like <laughs> Light as a feather. Okay, Amy. You're next. Okay, hold on a second. What? What are you doing? You think you can catch me? Oh, I believe I can. <laughs> you ready? Come on. One. <laughs> Two, three. <laughs> Good catch. I told you. You're so strong. <laughs> well, I could do this all day. You know that? <laughs> you ladies want to go wait at one of those tables, please? Coach, may I talk to you in my office a minute? Keep it down now. Girls, coach. I was writing them passes. I'm taking them for extra practice. That did not look like appropriate behavior for a teacher. No, we were just having a little fun. Fun for whom? Them or you? Come on, Carolyn. There's nothing wrong with what I was doing with those girls. Can I go now? Sure. You can go now. So he helps Kimberly down, and then he fat shames her and says, Whoa, you could you, you, uh, stand to eat a few less french fries. And she's like, Well, you could uh, stand to do a few more push-ups, maybe? He's like, Oh, it's going to be like that, is it? And like, uh, oh, yeah. So now Kelly sit, is on top of the Xerox machine and says, Oh, me next, coach. And he picks her up. She, of course, in his mind, is lighted as a feather. Now, Amy, who's... So, Amy, like, is on the counter. And she, like, stands up to crouch down on it. And she's like, oh, you think you can catch me? And he's like, oh, I know I can. And she kind of rocks forward and kind of, like, jumps into his arms. And he's got her where his arms are, like, basically around her ass like really and he's like oh i could do this all day of course that's when the teacher calls in and says Ahem. 
tells the girls to go over at one of the, sit at one of the tables while she speaks to Coach Nash. And he asks, she, when she gets him alone, she says, what were you doing with those girls? She's like, oh, I was writing them a pass. And she's like, really? Uh-huh. And you know... When she see the the librarian sees Nash, they lock eyes. It's like he knows he's in trouble because he's been caught. <clears throat> so he says he was writing them passes and taking them for extra practice. What the hell does that mean? They're not on a sports team. Well, I mean, Amy like plays basketball or tennis. I think it's tennis. But it's like, what the hell? Practice? I don't get what that means. I'd be like, uh, you want to try again, Nash? Well, she calls him Pete. But she cuts to the chase. It's like, uh, that did not look like appropriate behavior for a teacher. And Nash just kind of, he's got his arms folded. Like, <laughs> we were just having a little bit of fun. And she just looks at kind of scoffs like, yeah, and who was having the fun? Them or you? I think you were the one that was having the fun. Like, you were getting more out of it than those girls were. Nash even has the balls to say, Now look, there was nothing wrong that I was doing with those girls. Like, <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Uh, you know what? I think a court of people, a jury, would be able to uh, tell you that's bullshit. So he finally says, like, is that it? Can I go? And she's like, oh, yeah, sure, you can go. And the look that she gives him is like, this isn't over this you, this is going to definitely be brought up because this is ridiculous i'm sure that she's also aware of the rumors of him in the past with other students and stuff like that but this is the first time that he's actually been doing this in public like maybe he's done it in secret but now he's starting to get a little more cocky a little braver because he kissed amy on the lips in front of that frosty mug place. Yeah. Oh, sure enough, in the next scene, we overhear Carolyn, the librarian, talking to the vice principal and telling him what she saw, like, in plain view, holding on to these girls and everything like that. And she goes on to say, you know, he's always in the hallways surrounded by all these girls all the time. And the teacher just says, you know what? Have you read my bumper sticker that says, have you hugged your wildcat today? I mean, I am all about the touchy, the, the, the feely, affectionate, you know, teachers hugging their students, congratulating them, giving them a pat on the back and stuff like that. I like the fact that this teacher's coming forward. Granted... She's a woman talking to a man about something that she saw. And she's, of course, not really going to be taken that seriously. Granted, let's say if this were a man that had seen Nash doing this. Do you think he would have reported it? Do you think he would have just chalked it up to Nash just being Nash? And just not a bad guy because he's a guy? I kind of got to wonder. I really, really got to wonder about that. This vice principal is just ugh, turning a blind eye. He's like, well, Coach Nash is a popular teacher. The girls like to be around him. And the guy is just like, look, we all put our arms around the students. They enjoy it. They like it. 
I created that. Have you hugged your wildcat bumper sticker? And she's like, you need to take this allegation seriously. He's like, oh yeah, don't worry. I will definitely take this seriously. No, you just go on with your day and let me worry about this. I will talk to Nash personally and get this straightened out. It could be an entirely big misunderstanding. So basically, he's just kind of trying to, you know, placate her. Like, don't worry. You just do your library thing and I will take care of this. There's always rumors about coaches, but you got to take it with a grain of salt. What was he doing there in the first place? I have no idea, but I'm telling you, he was holding them in his arms. Right in full view in the library? Yes. And it wasn't just the first time either. You know, he's always in the halls surrounded by girls, and he can't seem to keep his hands off them. Well, Coach Nash is a popular teacher. The girls like to be around him. That doesn't make it okay for him to do what he was doing. Yeah, but Carolyn... We all put our arms around students. It makes them feel good. I do it myself. After all, I'm the one who had that bumper sticker made, huh? Mr. Arnett, are you listening to me? I'm telling you, I saw Pete Nash behaving in an extremely inappropriate manner with those girls. Miss Sweeney, I heard you loud and clear. And I'm gonna take care of you. So now we get another scene with Coach Nash and Amy in the boys' locker room, and he's kissing her from her shoulder down to her stomach, and he lifts her shirt up from the bottom to kiss her bare stomach, and she's just kind of trying to, you know, put a stop to it, and she's like, I've never done this before, and he's, he's like, well, don't you want to? And she's like, I don't... And he's like, oh, yeah, I f keep forgetting how young you are. And it's almost like he's saying it in a way to pressure her. And she says, well, I'm younger than Missy Ross, who is, you know, victim one or two from the past. And she's like, well, didn't you do this with her? And then he's like, well, no, of course I've never done this with a student before. Are you nuts? So it's, uh, he's warping this girl's mind. It's almost like he's accusing her. Like, you know how much trouble I could get into? Like, that whole thing with Missy Ross is she had a crush on me and she chased me and people made a big deal of it. Which, granted, who knows? Maybe Missy Ross asked the same questions that Amy is now asking, and he probably told her the same story. No, I've never done this with a student before. I could lose my job. It would ruin my marriage. And this and that. And Amy looked at him like, well, what about the others? And he, he gets upset and kind of throws his hands up in exasperation like, you know how people like to talk in this town, okay? They're rumors. Nothing more. It's like he's getting upset with her and he's like trying to guilt her into doing this. And he keeps saying, it's just you. You're just, you're special. It's like, what? Because she's clearly a virgin? Is that why? Is that what he's attracted to? The purity and the youth? <laughs> and I, I, I don't really want to dig in too much to why these people these vile people the way they they think and manipulate you know girls and, and guilt them into doing this like what exactly is turning them on the fact that this person is, this girl is, is young and it makes him feel young I don't know 
And he, he continues to tell her that he's never felt this way before about anyone, probably not even his wife. And she goes to him and hugs him. And he tells her, look, I'm not going to force you. We can take this nice and slow. And he's not going to force her to have sex, but they're going to eventually gradually work towards it. Oy. Isn't this a term like conditioning or grooming? Like start off with, with the kissing and then moving towards that, you know, farther to other things until... It's almost like, it feels like she's a conquest to him because she's, because she's, well, I don't, I don't get it. I just, I don't, I don't. And I was just thinking, I mean, the character is, you know, Coach Peter Nash, and I guess the real na guy's name was Lynn Stroud, which I don't know, I like Peter Nash better than Lynn Stroud, to be honest, for a name. So he says, I'm in no hurry. He kisses her on the forehead. And now we get to a montage of her in school and him seeing her talk to someone in the hallway. And he starts walking towards her. He's always wearing that windbreaker jacket, that red and white and blue windbreaker jacket with a V-neck t-shirt that looks like he just rolled out of bed. You also see him coaching the team out on the football field and Amy's just kind of watching him so she's going to all the practices it's just but you get the oh what a thrill by the Mavericks playing and right away as that started to play they did the whoever put this up there did loop it with a different song so it's like oh what a thrill is playing underneath you can hear it it's almost like this other song overlapped this song but you can still clearly hear it so I want to read the lyrics to this Oh What a Thrill by the Maverick song. And I, I remember how Nash said that that song, we don't know what song, made him think of her. But I'm, it's clearly got to be this song because this is the song that's playing. Alright, here are the lyrics. Oh girl, any moment I may kiss your lips. Oh, it's been a while since I felt like this. Oh girl... Please don't refuse me. Oh, I'm so scared you will. Oh, what a thrill. Oh, what a thrill. Stars in the night. Stars er, stars in the sky. Stars stand still. Oh, what a thrill. Woman, words fail me. Your skin is sweet and warm. I want to console you and hold you in my arms. Oh, once you were my baby, you're my baby still. Oh, what a thrill. Oh, what a thrill. Stars in the sky. Stars stand still. Oh, what a thrill. Yeah. I mean, when I watch this and then I listen to the song, I mean, I didn't really think of it as, but, you know, as a teenager. But now as an adult, like, some of those lyrics just kind of... Whoopsie, sorry. Um, seem to stand out just a smidge. Oh, girl, please don't refuse me. Oh, I'm so scared you will. Like, eh. I may kiss your lips. It's been a while since I felt like this. Like, he basically says, I've never felt this way about anyone, which is a clear lie. Woman, words fail me. Like, he says, songs say things 
that words can't better than words can basically your skin is sweet and warm i want to console you and hold you in my arms so it just makes you think of like the times like he's listening to her you know unload about you know her parents are always fighting and she feels alone and everything like this and then him constantly like putting his arms around her and holding her to himself and just like breathing in her scent and it's just really really creepy and gross but yeah we get a montage of her in the hall she's talking to a guy we see nash walking towards her and then it cuts to him on the football field and she's watching him and then it looks like it's valentine's day and she opens her locker and there's a card from him with his picture inside He's even seen walking next to her through the hall. Oh my god. But then again, nobody's really batting an eye at this. Like, okay, it's normal. He hangs around the girls. But he's walking alongside her like a boyfriend would walk alongside a girlfriend down the hall. It's So Amy's in her room and she's looking through the liner notes and the lyrics in her uh, Mavericks cassette tape when the phone rings and it's Nash calling her up on the phone when he's supposed to be watching the highlights from the previous games. So now he's getting her to like sneak away because he really wants to see her. And she says, I have an English paper due tomorrow and I have a C in English. My mom was really upset about that. And he says, don't worry about that. I'll talk to your English teacher. What in the what? What power? This guy's got some massive power in that school. If he thinks he can just go to her English teacher and say, hey, um, Amy Dustin's in your class. She got a C. Or, hey, do you think you can give her an extension on this paper? She's going through stuff. This guy's got some serious pull in that school. Wow. And Amy's like, well, my dad won't be home till late and I have to wait till they go to sleep. So, yeah, he wants her to sneak out of the house. He's like, oh, yeah, that's fine. Absolutely. Just whenever. And they settle on midnight. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Granted, this kind of almost plays out like... Nash is the bad boy who's trying to get Amy, who was a good girl, to sneak out and start disobeying her parents. And now she's not doing so great in school. And it's just like, oh my gosh. So one of the other coaches, assistant coach or whoever it is, is like, hey, Romeo, are you going to watch this or what? So he's making this phone call. Those guys don't know who he's calling. But they can overhear what he's saying, trying to get someone to sneak away. I wonder, they, everyone's, everyone knows about Nash and his, you know, reputation with the young girls and how popular he is and everything like that. So, I mean, this can't be the first time that he's made a call while he's supposed to be watching these tapes. And trying to get some girl to sneak away with him. So their house is really just a one-story house. Because she's able to sneak out her bedroom window. 
and run off down the driveway where Nash is waiting in his giant monster truck. He's got a vanity plate on the front of his truck that says Go Cat, and Cat is spelled K-A-T. Okay, now Nash is becoming a extremely disgusting creep and really shaming her as th- he's making out with her. And he tries to go for the bra, and she pulls back, and he, of course, is like, oh, no, don't do this to me, don't do this to me. And he's just, they're all both breathing heavy and everything. And she says, you know, I think I should wait, you know, which is understandable. She's 14. You doesn't need to be giving her V-card up to you. And he shames her, like, wait, wait for what? And he shames her, like, what, so you could be a virgin until you get married? And and she's like, are you mad at me? He's full on manipulating her. And shaming her, too. And he says, I want to be with you forever. Like, he also says he wants to tell his wife about Amy and his relationship with her. He also wants to tell her parents and just everybody, let the whole world know that he is in love with her and wants to be with her forever. It's like, what in the what? What seemed to start out as a supposed harmless crush at first is now working its way into something just really, really wrong. This guy is, there's something seriously wrong with him. And it's like, Amy's 14, she's a child. Hey, he's got a daughter who's two years older than Amy. And you can tell she is visibly very uncomfortable. Like, I'm not into to continuing this with it. Just the fact that he's stating like he wants to tell his wife and her parents and he wants to be with her forever. That is too much for a 14-year-old to really grasp that. So we actually see him talk to the English teacher about possibly getting Amy an extension. What in the world? That just doesn't make any... I'm sure she's like, what are you talking about? You're her teacher. I'm her teacher. Why are you asking me to give a student an extension when she herself should probably be coming forward and asking me? This doesn't make any sense. And the teacher is like, well, she didn't do the assignment. And Nash is like, well... But a C really brings down her average. I mean, she was in tears when she told me about this. And you don't really hear the dialogue. You just see the hand gestures as the teacher just gives in. Like, okay, okay, fine, fine. So Nash goes over to Amy's house, introduces himself officially to the parents. Says that Amy's going to stay over at his house because he's going to hang out with... She is going to hang out with his older daughter, Cassie. They're also going to go to a concert, and then she'll just stay over at um, Cassie's place. They're like, wow, you really deserve a medal for taking four screaming teenage girls to a rock concert. It's amazing how he can fit so many people in the cab of that truck. I mean, before it was him, Amy, Kelly, and Kimberly. No, it's him, Amy, Kelly, Kimberly, and Cassie. Holy googie. That's a lot of people. So Nash drops off Kelly and Kimberly. Cassie's like, if you girls want to come over and spend the night, my mom will be fine with it. They're like, no, 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 it's fine. 
So now the girls are going to watch, uh, Cassie and Amy are going to watch some music videos. And the mom just can't believe it. She's, like, bringing, like, blankets and pillows and stuff like that out to the living room. Like, oh, a rock concert. Now you're going to stay up all night watching music videos. And Nash makes a joke about how, like, oh, maybe if I grew my hair out longer and, like, put on makeup, I'd have girls screaming after me, too. And Cassie's like... Dad, you already have girls screaming at, running after you, enough girls running after you as it is with your hair the way it is. Like, ay, ay, ay. Does anyone else remember the color bars with the TV on and it just goes like, and you get the color bars, you get the beep sound. Like, uh, this is an emergency test of the, it's an emergency broadcast system, I think. Like, don't be worried. This is just a test. I remember those all the time. They were so annoying. So, Nash goes out there, and you hear this literal creepy lullaby music tone. And he wakes her up and tells her, like, to be quiet. And he takes her by the hand into a bedroom. So yeah, he's waking her up from sleep, like, what are we doing, where are we going? And then he takes her into a bedroom, and she's like, I don't think this is right. It's not right. She's got a, a head on her, and it's almost like that saying of what, respect your elders, or don't talk back to adults, and this and that. And it's just, I don't think she's into this. Maybe in the beginning it was, you know, semi-cutish flirting with a note passing, but now, I mean... It's just, it's getting up there with crossing a line now. He's clearly crossed that line several times, and he doesn't care. The fact that he's bringing this girl over to his house with the implication like, oh, she's going to hang out with my older daughter who doesn't even go to the same school. Just so he can get her alone. So, he tells her that it's time. He takes off his shirt and um, starts to unbutton hers. And she just says, please don't hurt me. It's like, oh my gosh. We don't see anything else, thank goodness. But Amy's back on the couch. And we get one of Nash's younger girls, that's probably about maybe seven or eight years old, staring at Amy. And you gotta really wonder... Because that room had a bunk bed in it, so clearly that girl probably was had been woken up and was seeing what was going on. Good grief, Nash, you piece of crap. Amy's sitting at the breakfast table with them, and I just, I, my heart just, it goes out to Amy. Just, she just looks so upset, emotionally distraught, and through the ringer. Her emotions are all over the place on how she even really feels about what's going on. And it's just... I mean, just looking at her, you're like, okay, there's something wrong with your, with her. She's not happy. He drives her home, and she looks like she cannot get out of that truck fast enough. And he like, hey, are you okay? As he brushes her hair back, and she's like, yeah, I'm fine. She goes inside her house and sets her stuff on the bed, and she takes the stuffed tiger, and she just... Basically crumples down to the floor in a way and just holds the stuffed tiger just clutching it to her chest. And just, it's almost like her innocence was taken from her. And it just, it makes me just so sad. And you're gonna, you know, 
see the effects that this is having on her, not just, you know, physically, mentally. It's just ripping her to shreds. Just, you know, she's keeping the secret of her involvement with... But then again, it's like he's not doing a good job to hide what he's doing with her. He's, you know, walking her to class, which some may think, oh, that looks innocent, he's fine. He's, you know, walking her down the hallway and everything. But it's just, he's making out with her while she, while they're in the locker room. And just the fact that he brings her to his house and then does that in his, in a, He's got like five or six kids, and just by the look of that, his one of his younger kids just yeah, she knows something. I I honestly gotta wonder if this is the first time that he's brought a girl over and said, "Hey, you can hang out with my older daughter. You're about the same age as her." Yeah. But poor Amy, just he just looks so conflicted. She doesn't know what to think or feel anymore. She just like, seems really grossed out by all of this. So it's the following Monday. Amy heads into class. And right away, of course, she sees Nash like standing at the back of the classroom with his hands behind his back. And just the look of her being uncomfortable after everything that happened over the weekend at his house. I mean, if I were her, I would definitely want to transfer out of there but for all we know even if she tried it would probably say it's too late in the semester can you tell me why you want to train stuff like that but so definitely gone is the amy from the beginning of the movie where she was happy bubbly smiling now she just looks visibly upset and sad and all the kids are sitting down. Nash has them take out a piece of paper and write down questions one through five because they're going to take a little quiz. And then he calls Amy into the lab, which is a separate room off of the classroom. And as Amy gets up to go into the lab room with Nash... Kimberly, who's still sitting next to it, is just kind of looking at Amy like, what's this? She must have an inkling. Like, yeah, there's something going on. I mean, how do you not after that whole thing that happened in the library, right? So, Amy goes into the lab. Mind you, I don't know if they even closed the door, but he, Nash is already on Amy and kissing her. And she breaks away like, no, just not here. Because someone might see. And he, he does not care. He doesn't care. He is being very careless when it comes to, like, his doing this with Amy. I mean, he, he doesn't care. He'll take her to the locker room, the the lab, the library. He, he doesn't care. He even said, well, I want to tell my wife about us. I want to tell your parents about us. Everybody, I want everybody to know. It's like, well, clearly everybody is going to know because, I mean, come on. I know this guy's a beloved coach and everything, but this is just, <sighs> at least that librarian had enough sense to go and say what he's doing is very, basically it's against, the, it, well, at the time, I guess there was no law. If this, you know, the incident took place in like the late 80s. 
there was no law protecting students against predatorial teachers. So we come back to the classroom. Everyone's, like, giggling and everything. And someone goes up to sit in Amy's seat. Some girl who's, like, whispering. And Amy comes out. And it's just, she just looks. She really looks downtrodden. You know that the kids are gossiping. Like, what are they doing in there? Why did he call her back there? Like, no. They don't have to wonder too hard. So I take it that, well, Nash comes out a little while after Amy, but I take he had to work out that uh, erection that he had. Because, come on. <sighs> gross. He's just gross. I'm sorry, but he is. There's nothing redeemable about this guy. I don't give a rat's crap that he's a football coach. And beloved by the town where he can apparently do no wrong. The look that Kimberly gives Nash is just full of just hatred and scorn. And just scorn. Like, she knows. She knows what's going on and she knows it's wrong. So Amy comes home and she's getting something out of the fridge. Her mom comes up. She's like, oh, honey, how was, you know, tennis practice? How was school? And Amy's just really short and curt with her. Like, it was fine. And her, her mom's like, well, honey, I, I, I want to talk. And Amy's like, mom, look, I have a lot of homework I got to do. So, we cut to Amy's room, music's blaring, she's working on an assignment, her mom comes in, turns off the music, Amy looks up and says, Mom, what are you doing? This is my room. And her mom's like, well, honey, I just, we haven't had a chance to really talk, and I just would like to talk and see how things are going, you know, with your life and, and school and tennis practice and all of that. I mean, anybody who's anybody could tell if you've seen the girl on the first day of school how happy she was she really looks now like she is very depressed sad downtrodden it's like her whole demeanor is completely different from what it was before so i mean i get it her mom is trying to reach out and i definitely will give her a gold star for that amy has got a wall up like i don't she even refuses popcorn when her mom says, Honey, would you like me to make you popcorn? She's like, Mom, I have a lot of homework to do. Please just leave my room. Like, and and the mom eventually is like, talking to her husband, like, there's something going on with her. She used to be happy and tell me things, and now it's just, she's just sullen and angry. And the dad just throws, you know, it's like, Honey, look, she's a teenager. We got, like, Five more years of this. Four years of this. Tops. Okay? Just deal with it. She's a teenager. It happens to every teenager. They're always like that. But I like that the mom is clued in that something is really... Something's off with Amy. Anybody could see it. And it has to do with Nash. Definitely. He is just... They have an in-ground pool. I am jelly. I am so jelly. Granted, it's raining right now, so. But they live in a southern state, and I don't, so. I want a pool. Or a hot tub. I want something. One day. That's what I want. I might not get it, though. I'm sure you're like, but you got a lake just down the road from here where you live. I'm like, I don't swim in that lake. Ew. Especially with all the e coli stuff that went on this summer. No. Just, I want to swim in a pool where I can see my feet. And I know what's in that pool. So as Amy's dipping her toes into the pool, we hear a honk, honk, honk. 
dog from the front yard. Hmm, what could that be? Let's go find out. Amy! Amy, come out here. I got something to show you. Got a hundred dollars? Oh my gosh. Is this for me? Mm -hmm. Oh, thank you so much. Oh my gosh. Well, try it on for size. Norm. Oh, come on, Betty oh, Ann. It'll wow. just be easier on everybody. Besides, she's going to be real careful in it, aren't you, huh? Oh, please. If you hear one bad thing about my driving from anybody, you can take away the keys. Okay, but I'm telling you, if I hear of any foolishness in this car, I am taking those keys back before you know what hit you, okay? <laughs> okay, fine. But can I just please go show Kimberly and Kelly, please? Yes. Come okay. right back. Okay. Be careful now. I just wish you would have told me. Oh, hell, you'd have just said no. So, Ma Why did I just call her Maggie? Um, <clears throat> Amy runs out to the front of the house. Her dad bought her a car? Well, I don't know if he really bought I mean, it was from his lot, so. But that's awesome. At least you'll see a smile on her face, right? So she's so excited. I know the mom is against it, but the dad's like, honey, look, it'll be easier on all of us if she has her own way to get around, right? So, and she's just, like, so excited. And she's like, she wants to go to show Kimberly and Kelly. It's a nice car. It's a nice light blue color, and it's... Kind of old-fashioned looking, maybe something out of the like late '50s, '60s, something like that. With a, would you call that a convertible? Maybe in a way, something. I don't know. All right, so Amy, Kelly, and Kimberly—they're all going for a drive. They stop want somewhere to go get like shakes and burgers and whatnot because Kimberly's got a brown bag. She's got a drink and Kelly's so excited because like, hey, at least we don't gotta ride with my mom and Kimberly, Kimberly's like yeah, my mom's getting on my nerves and everything. So, Kimberly's mother is giving her a hard time about Wayne or Wade and Kimberly kind of comes back with just because he's been in rehab doesn't make him a bad person. Uh, I, I'm not gonna say he's a bad person but Kimberly, come on, you gotta look somewhere else. There are plenty of guys out there. And Kelly tells Kimberly, like, yeah, every time he gets out of rehab, he gets let out, he screws up again, and then he goes right back in. And Kimberly kind of gives a dirty look to Kelly, like, oh, it's not his fault, he just needs someone to be nice to him. Kimberly, girl, you need some some guidance, sweetie. This, this is not healthy. <laughs> it's not healthy. Of course, Amy's going to throw in her two cents, but then, of course, Kimberly's going to come back, well, like, hey... You're the one who's screwing around with the uh, coach of the football team slash biology teacher, so you don't have room to really say anything. But I'm going to play that clip. Amy, this is such a cool car, and now we won't have to ride with my mom. Well, that's a good thing, because my mother is getting on my nerves. She's giving me such a hard time about Wayne. I mean, last night I had to say to her, mother just because he's been to rehab it doesn't make him a bad person because every time he gets out of rehab he screws up again that's not his fault he just needs someone to be nice to him kimberly he's a loser he's never gonna change well i'll get sick of hearing you talk about him well at least he's not a child molester like your boyfriend he is not 
And what else did you call it? I mean, it's weird. You think he want to be with someone his own age. I can't help me fall in love with it. just happens. And <laughs> what's that supposed to be? So now you two are in love. Amy, you're kidding with Nash? Oh, it's amazing. I mean, you listen to all those words of those songs, and they're just words until you actually feel it for yourself. So what have you all done? I've kissed. French kissed with toes. Did you do it? Did you go all the way? Well, I'm still a virgin, if that's what you mean. Technically. So Amy gives Kimberly a dose of reality here with saying, look, Kimberly, Wade's a loser, okay? He's never going to change. We're tired of you talking about him. And Kimberly kind of comes to a whole, at least he's not a child molester like your boyfriend. Of course, Amy's like, he is not. And Kimberly says, well, what else would you call it? Like, he's a grown man. You think he'd want to be with someone his own age I'm thinking yeah like maybe his wife who he's married to who has like six kids with him of course Amy's like you can't help who you fall in love with like how it I've seen how she looks just when she's around him she just looks uncomfortable and, and just taken advantage of and everything it's like that's not love I mean, it looks more like he's way into this than than she is. Maybe in the beginning she thought, oh, this is new and exciting and interesting. But now it's like, ugh. she just has this look on her face like he makes her skin crawl and not in a good way. So Kimberly and Kelly can't believe that Amy's saying she and Nash are in love. And Amy kind of quotes, like, all those songs with the words and everything don't mean anything until you actually feel it for that emotion of love. And then the songs mean something. Like, Ugh. So Kimberly's like, well, what have you all done? And Amy's like, well, we've kissed, French kissed with tongues. Like, I know what French kissing is. So Kimberly's like, did you do it? Did you go all the way with him? And Amy is like, well, I'm still a virgin, if that's what you're talking about. Technically. Technically what? Your hymen hasn't been broken. Okay, I get that. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. <laughs> I mean, there are so many other types of sex that isn't, like... I mean, so many things that you can do that isn't actual physical intercourse. Okay, if she's still a virgin, then what did he do to her that night in that room with the bunk beds where that girl is just looking on at Amy while she's asleep on the couch? He clearly did something to her because he's like, it's time, Amy, it's time. It's like, time for what exactly? I don't know. I honestly think here that Amy is clearly putting on an act for her friends. Like, oh, I'm with a teacher and you're with some ex-felon or some teenager that can't stay out of rehab. And this, It's like she's maybe semi-showing off a little bit. Like, hey, I got a car and you don't. I'm also dating the football close coach slash biology teacher. Uh. So the look that Kimberly gives Amy is just like, I don't think... I don't think it could be jealousy. Do you think it? Because now 
um, Kimberly is going to see the vice principal or whoever this guy is. Principal, vice principal, and just tell about what's going on between Amy and Nash. And of course, this vice principal is not going to believe her. So the, the assistant principal just makes like, oh, well... Coach Nash is a popular teacher. I mean, he's oh, there's always rumors about him with some one girl or another. Like, dude, do you hear the words that are coming out of your mouth? That is so inappropriate. And just like you're turning a blind eye to that. Yeah. And Kimberly, well, maybe they're not just rumors. Now the guy's kind of, I guess if you want to call shaming her, not slut shaming her, but more like, oh, you know how these rumors start? Maybe one day he talks to a pretty girl and then a girl he didn't talk to gets jealous and comes in and starts making accusations. It's like, excuse me? This guy needs to be fired. He needs to be fired. And the teacher or the assistant principal is like, well, do you think that this is what's going on, Kimberly? That he's Nash is paying a little more attention to Amy and not you and you're a little jealous? And Kimberly comes back with, uh, Amy's the one who says she's been fooling around with him. She's the one, she's been telling us all the stuff she's been doing with him. So Kimberly just comes out point blank. Uh, Amy and Coach Nash are doing it. I think someone should do something about it. And the guy just kind of like, okay, yeah, yeah, I'll take your concerns into consideration. Okay, thank you for coming to me. Goodbye. This guy does not care. Like, dude, so far, a teacher or librarian and a student have come up to you and talked about Coach Nash's behavior. Really? How many more people need to come to you? How many examples do you need before you start to take this seriously? Kimberly. Well, Coach Nash is a popular teacher. There's always rumors about him with one girl or another. Well, maybe they're not just rumors. Now they start. Coach Nash talks to a pretty girl, maybe another girl, one he didn't talk to, gets jealous, so she starts spreading rumors to get back at him. Now, you think maybe that's what's going on here, Kimberly? Coach Nash is paying a little more attention to Amy, and you're just uh, a wee bit jealous? Mr. Harnett, Amy as much told us that he was messing with her. Well, how do you know that she wasn't bragging? Coach Nash and Amy are doing it. I think someone should do something about it. All right. I'll look into it. Thank you. So, it's the last day of school, and Amy has finished her freshman year. She is walking down the hallway with Kelly, and a young man comes and approaches her and says, Hey! Um, are you going to the Founders Day Parade? And she says, yeah, I was planning on it. And the guy's basically trying to ask her out. Of course, Nash sees this from hanging out his door in his doorway of his classroom and calls to Amy. Immediately, the boy stops what he's doing. And he just like, oh, well, see you there then. Bye. Basically, Nash is very possessive of Amy. Clearly he does not want her talking to any boys. As he then calls her again, like, Amy, can I see you? Amy. So Amy says, alright, Kelly, I will talk to you later. 
I'll see you later on. So, Nash pulls Amy into the lab room, starts making out with her, and it's more really one-sided than he's trying to get his Mac on, and she's like, hey, no, not at school. And then he comes back with, why not? Would you rather go off and do it with Corey Wilkins, who was the boy that uh, was talking to Amy? And she just kind of looks at him like, I hardly know him. So... Basically, he doesn't want to go all summer without seeing Amy. He's like, oh, I have an idea. You can come camping with me and my family. What in the what? Really? This guy. And she's like, what, your whole family? He's like, oh, yeah, we'll go off by ourselves. Okay, so this is the bedroom scene between uh, Amy's parents. And this is where her mother brings up. How Amy's just, it's like talking to a completely different person. She never laughs anymore or makes fun of me. And she's just so angry all the time. And the dad chucks it up to like, oh, it's probably hormones. Honey, she's a teenager. We got like four or five more years to get through this. Just, she's not your little girl anymore, basically, is what he's saying. Like, you need to let this go. Like, you can't control every aspect of her life. She's growing up. He just shuts the light off and goes to bed. And she's just kind of stewing in her feelings and everything. Like, I like that at least she sees that something is going on with her daughter. You know, her eyes aren't closed, unlike her husband's. So now we're at the Founder's Day. It's not a parade. It's just like, almost like a, I wouldn't even call it a county fair. It's just some... Thing where the t- event where the town gets together. Nash is there with his wife and daughter. Amy's there with Corey Wilkins and another guy and girl. And they're just hanging out. Of course, Nash excuses himself. Let's hey, dear, why don't you go get some tables? Daughter, do you want a soda? Okay. So he kind of breaks away and then he sees Amy with this guy. Granted, he's going to make a scene. He's going to make a spectacle of himself and Amy in front of all these townspeople. Now, mind you, he's been trying to, you know, make it out with Amy. Brings her to his house. Says, I'm going to bring you with me and my family on our camping trip. He makes out with her in the lab room off of the classroom and in the locker rooms. This guy does not care who sees. But now that he's making... A spectacle and, and having an outburst and yelling at Amy and grabbing on her arm right in front of everybody, people are definitely now going to take notice that this is what is this whole scene. He makes a scene. So Corey's like, you know, I always thought you were, you know, a nice girl and everything, but I never approached you because I always thought, you know, you were with Coach Nash, so you, I didn't know if you were available. Like, excuse- what? Oh my gosh, is this a thing? Back in the day, students dating teachers? I don't know. So Nash is just walking through the fairgrounds. And everyone's like, hey, we're going to go all the way this year, coach. Because, you know, it's summertime and school's not in session. But I'm sure they're going to be doing football training throughout the summer. And everyone's like, hey, we're going to go all the way. Hey, coach, Wildcats, yeah. And he's just kind of nodding like, yeah, yeah, you bet. So, yeah, Coach Nash sees 
Corey dancing with Amy, and he gets a little jelly. He gets his dander a little up. His hackles are raised. So he goes in there, charges in there, pulls Amy away from Corey, threatens to kick Corey off the football team. And to Corey's defense, it's like, they were only dancing. That was it. And he also slut-shames Amy. Like, what are you praying around here like a little slut? Like, and then he grabs her. She runs off. He chases after her. And, and Nash grabs her arm in front of everybody. What in the hell? Like I said, this guy don't give a shit who sees now. So now Nash drives off with Amy somewhere in the woods. Yeah, this isn't the making up a horror story. Um, and he starts guilting her. Saying how, you know, it made him crazy seeing her dancing with some other guy. And it's just, what in the world? He left his wife and daughter at this Founder's Day picnic thing. So he could drive off with Amy. Basically, he wants her to swear fidelity to him. That she'll not look at another boy. What in the world? He's just, now he's playing the, these mind games. Like, he's brainwashing her. So I'm going to play this clip. <laughs> well, get away from her. What the hell is the matter with you? You're acting like some kind of little slut. I'm not going to say it again, Wilkins. Keep your hands hey, off her. You were only me. dancing. You want to you get thrown off your feet? You were only dancing. Hey. Amy. Let her settle down. Sorry, but it makes me crazy when I see you with another guy. But he knows. Who cares? I care. I don't want Cassie to know. Then why were you with him? We were just dancing. Don't you see how that makes me crazy? If you keep making me flip out like that, we're going to get caught. My job is going to be history. My family, too. And that's going to be your fault. I can't do this anymore. You don't mean tired of feeling dirty and ashamed. I don't want to see you anymore. Don't you understand? I love you. Don't you get that? Come on. Come on, Amy. No, please, I don't want to. Come on, I just want to hold you. I can do without you.
You like it. You know you do. So, yeah, Nash just tells her that, look, I don't like seeing you dance with another guy. That makes me crazy. And she, of course, is worried about, you know, everybody was looking at this parade. Everybody's going to know. And Amy doesn't want Cassie, you know, Nash's daughter to find out. <laughs> what about his wife? And the guy, he starts blaming her, saying, I could lose my job, my family. That is on you. It's like, oh, he's blackmailing her. Well, not, not maybe not blackmail, but guilting her. Isn't blackmail when you hold something over somebody in exchange for something else? But he's just full on manipulating her to making her think that all of this, if he gets in trouble, it's going to be all on her. It'll be her fault. So, definitely, Amy has a sense to break this off. Like, I can't do this anymore. I am tired of feeling dirty and ashamed. I just, I don't want to see you anymore. And he's like, you don't mean that. And she's like, yeah, I do. So, he's just saying that, oh, I love you. And he opens the door to his truck. And he's like, come on, take my hand. And she's, like, looking at him like, I don't want to do this anymore. He's like, no, I just want to hold you. And he lays her down on the ground in front of his truck and starts kissing. It's just, she's not into it. She doesn't like it. Maybe she never did. So he's also telling her, like, what am I going to do without you? I don't want you to leave me. And it's just, ugh. He's really getting into her head and just manipulating her and brainwashing her. Like, I need you. I can't live without you. She's a child. She's 14. Kind of wonder, was he like this with the other girls? So now we're at the cafe barbecue where all the men, all the townsfolk there are waiting to hear about Coach Nash's plans. I guess they went to the quarterfinals, which Nash said that's about the best that a lot of high school football teams can do, but he says next year we're going to take the boys all the way to state. They're saying the economy can go to hell and this and that, but you can't take away football. Football is the pride and joy, the backbone of that town. So, Amy's dad, of course, is there, and we got this guy. I'm trying to remember is this the guy that, I don't think this is the same guy that was telling um, Amy's dad's secretary, when is your husband going to put a bun in the I don't think that's the same guy. But this guy asks Amy's dad, like, hey, there's nothing going, funny going on between Amy and Coach Nash, is there? And this is news to Amy's dad. He's like, what are you talking about? I, I don't believe there is. See the whole spectacle that Nash caused at that Founders Day picnic, whatever? Clearly, people are starting to talk, and this is the first that Amy's dad is even hearing about Amy having any involvement with Nash. So I'm going to play this clip, because this is news to Amy's dad. The fact that Coach Nash was all over Amy, causing a scene, and then they left together. So, red flags are immediately going up. Like, what? This is the first I'm hearing of anything of my daughter having anything to do with Coach Nash. Which, if you think about it, he was her biology teacher. He's not her teacher anymore, and she doesn't play sports that require him to be her coach. So why would she be hanging out with him? Even the words hanging out and Coach Nash and Amy in the same sentence does not make any sense. 
How's it going, Norm? Business is getting better. I'm selling a few cars. Hey, listen, uh, there's nothing funny going on between Coach Nash and Amy, is there? What the hell's that supposed to mean? Well, there's there's been a lot of talk about him. I guess there's some kind of a scene at Founders Day. What kind of scene? Coach is all over about something. You're kidding. Heard a lot of people say that they left together. What? Didn't Mickey McGregor mention anything to you? Hell no. So Amy's father busts at home, and Amy's ready to head out the door. She's going to go over to her friend's house. And her dad just doesn't pull any punches. He just jumps right in with, what's this he I hear about you and Coach Nash? Yeah, he wants to know about her involvement with Nash during the Founders Day Parade because of what he heard. And she's like, there's nothing between, like, oh, she starts out with, what did you hear? So he wants to know, like, what's going on? And she's like, nothing. And her dad right away goes up and says, is he bothering you? Like, uh, no. And her dad's like, if he's bothering you, let me know and I will put a stop to it. And she just looks at him and says, look, dad, nothing is going on, okay? I need to go. My guess is now Norm's going to go confront Nash and ask, like, what is this I hear that's going on between you and my daughter? Nash, of course, is out from polishing his truck, his chrome. And he's surprised, of course, to see Amy's dad there. So I'm going to play this scene. Where are you going, Amy? Over to Kelly's. What's this I hear about you and Coach Nash at Founders Day? What'd you hear? You tell me, Amy, what's going on? Nothing. Is he bothering you, Amy? No. Because if he is, I want to know about it. You tell me and I'll put a stop to it. Dad, everything's fine. Nothing's going on. Look, I gotta go. Hey, Norm. How's it going? I want to know what happened at Founders Day, Pete. What's going on between you and Amy? Nothing's going on, Norm. Nothing but a bunch of nasty rumors. Let's not beat around the bush here. I want to know the truth. Are you messing with my daughter? No, of course not. I mean, she's a special kid. I'm fond of her. But <laughs> she's the same age as Cassie, for God's sake. You know if I found out you were messing with her, I'd see to it you never mess with anybody ever again. Norm. Norm, I do the same thing. It's strictly teacher-student, I swear. Now, tell your father to father why I blew a fuse at Founders Day. She was hanging out with Corey Wilkins. Now, I'd hate to see a girl of Amy's caliber throw herself away on a lowlife like Wilkins. I mean, I kind of feel like she's my own daughter. I thought I'd be doing you both a favor. Well, she's not your daughter, Pete. She's mine. And I'll be advising her as to who she should be hanging around with. Speaking of which, I don't think I'm going to be able to let her go on a camping trip next week. Come on, Norm. My wife and kids and Kelly, they're all going to be there. She's been looking forward to this for a long time. You're going to break her heart. So Amy's dad confronts Nash, says, Hey, I want to know what's going on, what was going on with you and Amy at Founders Day. And Nash just says, Hey, look, it's just a bunch of nasty rumors. People like to talk. Absolutely nothing was going on. And 
Amy's dad even asks him flat out, are you messing with my daughter? And he says, no, nothing's going on. And Amy's dad even threatens Nash. Like, if I find out that something's going on, I'm going to make sure you never mess with anybody again. As in, I'm going to cut your dick off. Okay, here's some words that definitely would be, uh, make the ears perk up. As Nash says, Amy's a special kid. I'm fond of her. I'd be like, okay, what do you mean by fond of her exactly? And Nash tries to play it off like she's the same age as my daughter, my oldest daughter is, for crying out loud. Of course I'm not doing anything with her. And if it were me in your position, I'd be acting the same way you are. And he says, look, it's strictly teacher-student. I'd be like, oh, first of all, um, it's summer. And second of all, you're not her teacher anymore. And Nash is like, well, she was hanging out at Founders Day with this guy, Corey Wilkins. I really don't want to see Amy throw her life away on some kid like that. You know, I feel almost like Amy's my own daughter. And Amy's dad is like, well, you're not her father. I am. And I will be the one that tells her who she can hang out with. And by the way, I don't think she should go on that camping trip with you. Granted, Nash is like, look, Amy has been looking forward to this. You know, my family, my daughter, Kelly is going to be there. She's been looking forward to this for a long time. You're going to break her heart. And of course, what can Amy's father say to that? Like, oh, I don't want to break my daughter's heart. Now we cut to the camping scene of Nash around the fire telling his kids, telling everybody a scary story. So it's nighttime, everyone's in their tents, well, almost everybody. As we see Kelly get out of her tent and she notices that Amy's missing, you don't gotta look too far because I hear kissing in the background, and of course we see Amy and Nash making out by a tree, or behind a tree, in the dark. And Kelly definitely has this worried expression, like she needs to talk to Amy, somebody needs to talk to Amy because this is just, it's wrong. And she needs to cut this. I don't know. He's clearly got a hold over her saying, hey, if I lose my job and my family, it's going to be your fault. So he's clearly guilting her into continuing, brainwashing her into continuing this relationship. Oh, Nash sees Kelly there. And of course, he stops kissing Amy and Amy turns and looks and they both look at Kelly. So, the next scene, of course, you get a shot from inside the house. You see a wedding photo of Nash and his wife. And out the big picture window, you see everyone getting out of the truck. They're back from camping. Nash has a four-pack of wine coolers that he puts in Amy's car for Kelly. And Kelly right away says, what, is this a bribe? And he's like, well, let's just say it's our little secret. Guy! This secret you think you have is not a secret. The whole town saw you grab Amy by the arm and go drive off with her at the Founders Day picnic. This is not a secret anymore. This is the most solemn drive back between Amy and Kelly. And Kelly's got these big aviator sunglasses on and she's just got this look like... She finally breaks the silence by saying, Are you ever going to tell me about what's going on between you and Nash? So Amy plays it off like nothing. And Kelly's like, I'm not stupid, Amy, okay? Maybe Mrs. Nash and Cassie are, but I'm not. 
So Amy keeps playing it off like, oh, Kelly, you don't know what you're talking about. And Kelly is just getting pissed off. Like, I'm your best friend, okay? You really should tell me what's going on here. You really left out a lot. Because Amy's like, well, I told you what was going on. And Kelly's like, you left out quite a lot. So I'm going to play this clip between Kelly and Amy. Eventually things are going to turn and not in a good way when summer eventually comes to an end and they're back in school. Okay, I'll tell you. But you gotta promise not to tell anybody. Right, I promise. I mean, even if you hate Coach Nash after I tell you, you can't tell anybody because He'll lose his job, his family, his wife, everything. I mean it, okay? You gotta swear. All right, I swear. They did it. Does Cassie know? I don't think so. What was it like? It was okay. Come on, you promise you can't tell anybody. Maybe it's wrong. He loves me. Do you love him? You have to tell someone. I can't. I'll ruin his life if I do. Maybe you have to tell someone. So Amy makes Kelly swear to secrecy that even if she hates Coach Nash after what Amy says, she has to swear not to tell anybody because he could lose his job, his family, his wife, everything. So Kelly finally says, all right, I promise I won't say anything. So Amy admits that she and Nash have actually had intercourse and... Kelly's like, what was it like? And Amy's like, well, it was alright. And every everything. And Kelly's like, this is wrong. You have to tell somebody. And Amy's like, well, he loves me. And Kelly's like, well, you do, do you love him? And she doesn't say anything. She just kind of nods. And she just, Kelly just, you have to tell somebody. This is wrong. What he's doing. And Amy is just like this cloud of just got this hold on her of the fact that he can lose everything and it would be her fault. So he's guilting her into this. And it's just sad because her first time should have been with someone who really cared about her. You know? And and when she's older, because she's 14! A 14-year-old can not understand all the emotions of and physicality that goes with having intercourse for the first time. I mean, for a guy, it, I don't know. It depends on the guy. Maybe it's not as as big a deal for a guy as it is for a girl when it comes to having sex for the first time. There are a lot of things that go on during it. Not just the physicality, but the emotional part of it. And like I said, Amy's still a child. She hasn't grasped those emotions. She doesn't... And I feel bad for her. This coach is just full-on taking advantage. 
And at least Kelly sees that this is wrong. And the same with Kimberly. That's why she went to a teacher. Like, this is wrong. Somebody has to say something or do something. Speak to an adult who actually... Tell the father. Tell Amy's father. So Amy's dipping her toes in the pool again. Her mom's out there. And Amy starts talking to her mom, asking her questions about, you know, was dad your first boyfriend or did you have other boyfriends before him? And her mom says, well, he's the only one I really felt serious about. You know, we would always laugh together and, you know, joke and, you know, cut up and everything like that. And Amy just goes over to the patio, um, patio deck chair and just sits down on it and just asks about love. Like, how did you know when you were in love and everything? And her, her mother's just kind of like, probably thinking like, why are you asking me this? I mean, it's good that you're asking me this, but she just wants to know like, what brought this on all of a sudden? Like, is there a special someone? I think Amy is really trying to rationalize what love is. Like, is it purely emotion, emotional? Is it purely physical? And just, she's just trying to wrap her head around. Because, like I said, she's 14. She doesn't understand all of this. With Nash, it's 100% a physical thing. It is not emotional. He may say, like, oh, I love you so much and this and that and I can't stand to be... This guy is certifiably... There's something not right with him. He's he's a predator. I mean, I don't know if it's, like, her innocence that he craves because he already took her virginity. So Amy's mom says, well, Grandma always used to say, when it's love and it's real, you'll know it. So her mom is definitely asking the right question. She just kind of looks at Amy perplexed and just says, Honey, why are you asking me these questions? I mean, I, you know, it's great that you're asking them, but is there someone that you that you feel you love or have these feelings for? And Amy feels, she kind of pulls back. Like, she said too much. That wall that she has goes back up again as she leaves. So, yeah, there's some... Her mom's getting um a little well definitely concerned she's been concerned with amy's behavior for a while but this is sending up a red flag couple that with the whole thing with founder's day that amy's dad knows about people are taught the whole town's talking about it the mother has no idea any of this has taken place so these parents need to get together and talk about what they know about what's going on with amy Amy goes in her room and puts on a white top, holds her stuffed tiger, and just lays on the bed. She plays the Mavericks, Oh, What a Thrill song, and just laying back. And I'm just thinking, this is me picturing myself in 1996 playing the Mavericks CD. This song, Oh, What a Thrill, especially. There's another a song called I Should Have Been True, which I played a lot, and I stared at my teacher's picture when I was like 11, 12, well, 12, well, of going on 12, and when I had my fifth grade yearbook and stuff like that, and when I was in sixth grade, it just, I just, I don't know why I identify with Amy's character so much. I mean, I never did anything with that teacher, mind you. I never, never did, but I had a massive crush that carried me through all of mainly all of fifth grade 
into sixth grade and it was just wow that song oh what a thrill by the mavericks just really hits it like it takes me back to that time all right well things are going to slowly start to come to a head as certain things are revealed to amy's mom she gets a phone call from down at norm her husband norm's work since he runs the dealership and he got amy that car uh, the lady's got insurance questions, especially when it comes to Amy's social security number that she needs. So, of course, Amy's mom has to find Amy's wallet, her social security card. Because she probably does not have her daughter's social number memorized. But this is going to definitely lead to some questions that her mother has finally being answered as she discovers Nash's picture and a Valentine's Day card. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Actually, it's um just Amy's wallet is on the kitchen counter. No, she comes across Nash Nash's picture and Amy's wallet, but it has that little message on the back saying, don't ever change. And immediately, Amy's mother's like, can you please get Norm on the phone? I need to speak with him. Because next step is going to be going to the school to find out what in the world is this. This man gave my daughter a picture of himself with a message saying, don't ever change. She's a child. So I'm going to play this clip. Oh, I forgot it's summertime. But still, they're going to go in and find out what in the world is going on as they stop by the school. Oh, okay, so they are seeing a superintendent. So I'm going to go through the scene and then I'll play the clip. So basically the superintendent and the vice principal are saying, well, if she says no and he says no, like there's nothing going on, the only thing we have to go on is rumors. And even the dad's like, well, we're not trying to accuse anybody. But the mom jumps right in with, no, he sends her this picture with a note on the back that says, do not ever change. She's a child. She has a right to raise these questions. Like, you guys need to get your heads out of your asses and stop being men for a minute and see that this man is... This Coach Nash is just... He's manipulating her daughter and coercing her into a relationship I don't think that she really wants. Not only does it say, do not ever change, but it says, don't ever leave me. Now, that is raising, raising a major red flags. And her mother's like, she's a child. Don't ever leave me? What's wrong with this man? So Amy, of course, comes back with, like, look, that's not what he meant, okay? He's just trying to be friendly. Sweetie, that is not friendly. That is not friendly. That is a man who has a serious problem and he needs to get help. He also needs to be behind bars because this is not the first person that he's been with. Like, again, Amy's just trying to protect him because he's throwing the blame on her if he loses his job and his family. The superintendent says something that um, Amy's parents had no idea even occurred. Like, is this the same teacher that was hugging the girls in the library? And Amy's mother practically jumps out of her seat like, what in the, excuse me? What is this I'm hearing? And, of course, 
assistant vice principal jumps in. Oh, don't worry. I talked to Miss Sweeney. I talked to Nash. It was completely harmless. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I would be suing them up the ass, this school, and pulling my kid out of there and pressing charges against Nash. So, yeah, apparently it's completely innocent. We all hug the kids. It's our way of, you know, being nice and affectionate and everything. It's like hugging them around the ass, which is what he was doing with Amy, is not appropriate. This guy's just trying to save his own ass and just playing it off like it's not a big deal. I just, I'm happy that Amy's mother is like, she is not like, given up on this. She's not gonna lay down and be quiet. She's like, any man that would write this to a child does not need to be in this school. And the vice principal is putting his hands like, oh, oh, okay, yes, yes, absolutely. You have every right to be upset. And believe me, I will take care of this. Uh, yeah, you need to get that man out of your school. So I'm gonna play this clip now. Whoa. Uh, just... Applause to Amy's mom. Get to the bottom of this. The dad really didn't say anything because the mom completely took over this meeting with these three men. It's just like, hey, this is what I see. I see it's inappropriate. You guys are going to do something or I am going to do something. Justin, how are you? Bellington? Good to see you. Appreciate you coming down to see us in the summertime. Not at all. Superintendent of schools, a year-round job. Look, the thing is, it just doesn't seem right to us that a teacher should be writing notes like this to a student. I mean, we're not accusing anybody of anything, but for crying out loud, it makes you wonder. Well, if he says no and she says no, then all we got to go on are rumors, and we'll need a little more than that. I am not talking about a rumor. I am talking about what he wrote on this picture. Please don't ever change and don't ever leave me. I mean, she is a freshman in high school and he's telling her not to change? That's not what he meant. Well, what did he mean? He's just trying to be friendly. This is the same teacher who was supposed to be hugging the girls that day in the library? What is that? No, uh, that was uh, according to Miss Sweeney, the librarian, but I talked to Nash and everything was absolutely innocent. You know, we all hug the kids, Miss Dustin. It's, uh, it's our way of uh, being affectionate, you know, making them feel included. Any grown man that writes this to a child should not be in the school system. I don't care how innocent now, he Ms. says Dustin, it is. You have a perfect right to want your little girl protected, and I'm going to see that she is. We'll conduct a full inquiry and get to the bottom of this. So, the vice principal, if that's even his title, I don't know. And Nash, they go out either shooting skeet or shooting ducks, whatever they're doing. But that's their informative investigation that he was telling Amy's mother that he was going to conduct. And he finally says, like, hey, don't you think you're being a little too, you're not being too friendly with these girls, are you? So Nash is like, Amy's a special girl. I'm really fond of her, but there's nothing going on. And then the vice principal says, look, she's 15. That is a criminal offense if there is something going on. And the vice principal brings up statutory rape. And Nash is all like, well, she's my daughter's age for crying out loud. Of course, I'm not doing anything with her. Apparently, we learned this is not the first time that teacher parents have complained about Nash. 
And again, Nash brings up the whole strictly teacher-student, really. <laughs> so, Vice Principal says, just stay away from Emmy, or Amy, excuse me. I don't even want it to look funny. Looks like summer is over, because you see kids walking past Amy's house with backpacks. Amy heads out to her car, and her mother's trailing right behind her, saying, Hey, let me know if he bothers you at all. I will get on that and take care of it. And Amy's getting frustrated. It's like, look, Mom, why don't you just come to school and follow me around if it'll make you feel better? And, of course, her mother's like, yeah, I would love to take you up on that. Unfortunately, I gotta go to my school. My interior design class. And her mother's like, Gal only knows what's gonna happen. The fact that he hasn't seen you all summer, how he's gonna react. Does she even have him as a teacher anymore? I can't see that she would. Amy just tells her mom, look, mom, just please lay off. It'll be fine. She's like, just use your good judgment, Amy. It'll... So Amy's in the hallway. She sees Corey Wilkins there. And she's like, hey, Corey, how was your summer? And he is really like, look, Amy, I can't be seen talking to you, okay? Because then we see Nash is in the hallway. He's hanging around her as she goes to her locker, Nash's. Like, hey, how was your day? And she's just ignoring him, like, look, I'm not supposed to, you're not supposed to hang around me. I'm not supposed to talk to you. You're not supposed to talk to me. So, clearly this guy does not give a rat's crack about what that vice principal, who's most likely his boss, has told him to stay away from Amy, and he's just flat out ignoring it. And he's all like, why are you avoiding me? She's like, I'm not supposed to talk to you. Leave me alone. It's just like, yeah, leave her alone, dude. So Amy, Kelly, and Kimberly are all at the Frosty Mug. And Amy's saying, look, he's just having a hard time getting over this. Kelly says, yeah, it seems like he's in a bad mood all the time now. So is this like the, fir the, the first week into school or what? Apparently Nash ends up showing up, so what, now he's stalking her now? Great. And Amy, of course, before Nash shows up, says, I can't help his bad moods. So Nash goes over to the jukebox, and what do you think he's gonna play? The Maverick song. So the girls just end up leaving, like, oh, you don't need to sit here. And Nash just like, I can't believe they left, like, <sighs> So now is he calling her at the house again? Like, all the time. Oh my god. Get her a straining order on this man. Nash is calling Amy from a payphone in the middle of the desert. Well, it's not a desert, but still. In the middle of nowhere. Oh my god. And she's not picking up. She knows who it is. She, I'm sure she, she would leave her alone. So... Amy's mom decides to do a little investigating of her own and talking to some of the townsfolk there, just saying, like, he's really into the new girl, you know, the freshman and everything. By the so time that the girls are sophomores, they're too old for him. So she starts, the woman starts naming names, Missy Ross, Donna Barnes. It's always some new freshman that he moves on to. We've heard the name Missy Ross come up a couple times, so. So I'm guessing, is this like one of the girls that he used to flirt with that's now like graduated? Because she also mentions like a guy named Jimmy like ended up transferring out of his biology class because all Nash would do would flirt with the pretty girls. Like I said, the whole town, everybody at school knows Nash's behavior. They're not surprised by this. No, Nash is like following Amy. She's going into class and he's interrupting this guy's class saying, Amy, Amy, can you talk to me? Amy, can you come out of that room and talk to me? It's like, 
leave her the suspend him but of course they can't because he's also the football coach he's gonna take that football team to state in the fall so Amy's just sitting there trying to ignore him. Eventually the whole class kind of looks at her. Even the teacher's like, can you just go out there and talk to him so I can continue teaching, please? Now he's like blackmailing her. Like, hey, if you don't meet me later, I'm going to tell everybody about us. And I'm not the only one who's going to go down for this. He's So there's like a few students in the halls in between classes. And he's like, hey, listen up, everybody. Finally, she's like, fine, I'll meet you later. It's like, what in the, ugh. He's like, why won't you talk to me? Tell me what's going on. Why are you avoiding me? This guy is like a jealous ex-boyfriend. That's how he's acting right now. It's like, dude, you have a wife and kids and you don't even give a damn about them as much as you care about Amy. This is insane. Whenever I hear that song, I think of you. I play it all the time. It's the only way I feel close to you now. But don't you miss me? Just a little bit. Sure. Then I don't understand. Why does it have to end? I want my life back. I mean, wherever I go, people are talking about me. It's like I've got a disease or something. You have to stand up to them. I don't want to see you anymore. It's over. Well, I guess you don't love me. I do love you. No, you don't. Not like I love you. You couldn't or, or else you wouldn't do this to me. I don't want to hurt you. Man, I should just get my shotgun and blow my brains out. Please don't. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I love you. So, Amy's mom is on the hunt for people. She's tracking someone down who she's been informed to talk to about these rumors. So, now we cut to Nash and Amy in his truck. He's like, look what's going on. Why won't you talk to me anymore? And she just said, you know, I want my old life back. Everywhere I go, people are talking about me. And it's almost like I have a disease. And Nash is like, well, you gotta stand up to them and this and that. And she's like, I don't want to see you anymore. And she tells him that it's over. So he starts manipulating. She's like, oh, I guess you don't love me then. She's like, oh, no, I do love you. See, he's manipulating her. He's like, no, you don't. Not like I love you. It's like, oh, my God. And then he contemplates also suicide. Like, he's really trying to get her back by saying, oh, if you don't come back to me, I'm gonna shoot myself or whatever. It's like, what in the world? Oh my god, this guy is sick in the head, guys. Granted, you pretty much already grasped that. So once again, she falls under a spell. Into, I shouldn't say under a spell, but just into that trap of manipulation. Where he starts kissing her and sliding his hand up her skirt, and she just gives in, because what else can she really do? Now she's going off with them to some person's house. Because she's like, whose house is this? And he's like, oh, it's just a friend's. <sighs> so Amy says, I want a beer. And he's like, well, you shouldn't drink. And she turns around and says, well, yeah, there's a lot of things I shouldn't be doing, but I seem to be doing them, don't I? So give me a beer. 
Well, she pretty much figures if I'm gonna have to do this, then I may as well get a beer out of it. Seriously, does Nash only own v-neck t-shirts and polos with the two buttons undone? I mean, we get more of this guy's chest hairs than I ever want to see. Ugh. So now we're back at home in Amy's room and her mother is going through Amy's drawers. Like, she's trying to find some more evidence of Amy's relationship with Nash, with what I'm getting from this. Well, her mom sure hits the jackpot when she pulls out an old shoebox uh, shoe or something from underneath Amy's bed. It's filled with, like, letters and notes and stuff like that. Oh my gosh, she hit the jackpot. You want evidence? There's your evidence. All of that. So I want to play this confrontation between Amy and her mom. Like, Amy sees her mom going through her stuff. Like, why are you invading my privacy? And her mom's like, well, I want to know where you were. And Amy's like, well, I was at youth group. And her mom's like, well, I was there and you weren't. So where were you? Yeah. Mm. Why are you still covering for him, Amy? He just knows what strings he has to pull to get Amy to come. I just... I, Where were you tonight? Youth group! Don't lie to me. I was there, and you weren't there, so you tell me where you were. Oh, great. Now you're following me. Fox, you were with him, weren't you? No! Why are you trying to protect him? I'm not. What has he done to you? What is he telling you to make you lie to me? What are you doing that I can't know about? What else? Did he touch you? Has he? doing why are you protecting him and amy's like i'm not he's like and her mother's like well then why is he having you lie to us you know what does he have against you that's making you lie to us and her, her mother is like what are you doing that i can't know about and amy just sits on the edge of her bed and her mother sits next to her and she just starts asking amy questions like did he kiss you did he touch you? And she can barely get the words out of, you know, did he, as in, you know, have sex with you. She doesn't say sex, but Amy just looks at her mother and she's like, I'm sorry, mom. It's like, <sighs> right away, it's like, yeah, you get on the phone to that principal and say, like, well, this, my daughter just admitted to sleeping with this teacher. You need to do something now or else I will. So, yeah, we overhear Mr. Vice principal on the phone, most likely with Amy's mom. He calls 
Nash into his office, and when Nash was like, oh, you wanted to see me? And the guy looks at him and says, if a duck had your brains, he would fly south for the winter. As in, your ass is in such deep shit, you may as well just take off running for the fucking hills. But that ain't gonna help you. So basically, Vice Principal was like, what the hell did you do with Amy Dustin? And Coach is like, oh, well, that's a lie. And the vice principal's like, <laughs> really? Because Amy told her parents everything. They went to a lawyer. The lawyer went to the cops. And all the cops are going to come for your ass. So Nash is all like, well, whatever she says, it's not true. Bullshit. That guy. <laughs> no. Uh-uh. You, you can't play that game anymore, sir. Sorry. But you're fucked. So, of course, vice principal's got to suspend Nash. And Nash is like, Really? At least let me finish out the season. And the vice principal just looks at him like, get your fucking ass out of my face and out of this school. So, of course, guess what? Now everyone's going to tell, someone's got to tell the team, like, well, your coach is gone. So these other people that are assistant coaches, well, they're going to be stepping up into that position. So basically the assistant coaches say, hey, we're going to have to go for state. We're going to have to try to win state without Nash. Coach Nash comes in. The boys, the football team, all supports him. Like, hey, we're behind you, coach. Don't worry, we got your back. It's not fair. It's like... <sighs> so now we see the two cops walking with Nash between them. His hands are cuffed. And of course they have to stop right in the doorway where Amy's class is. Yeah. So now it's Nash's hearing. The judge sentences, sentences him to five months in jail. And 10 years probation. But the judge also says you may no longer coach or attend athletic events where young people are involved. So five months at a state detention center. That's great. And of course Nash, before he's taken away, hugs his wife. Now we hear a lawyer that says, I don't understand what you want, Mrs. Dustin. You know, Amy's mother. You know, the man is guilty. He got what he wanted. You know, he's in jail now. And no, that's not enough. Um, Amy's mother wants to make sure that no child ha falls under, you know, a predatory teacher. Like, we want to make sure that doesn't happen to someone else's kid, which is understandable, yeah. So I want to play this clip as Amy's mother is going to bat for Amy, saying that it just seems like the whole town is turning on us. They act like we did something wrong. And isn't it the school's job to protect Amy and other students from predatory teachers. So I'm going to play this clip. First of all, you got a man lawyer. You need to get a woman lawyer in there because that guy is just as chauvinistic as those other men were. Mrs. Dustin, I don't understand. The man has pled guilty and he's gone to jail. What exactly is it that you want? Well, everybody's acting like, you know, we did something wrong by coming forward. Why didn't anybody protect her? Isn't it their job? Uh, whose job? The school. I mean, isn't it their job to protect children? They weren't doing their job. I want to sue the school board. Well, she did agree to have sex with him. She snuck out of the house to do it. And nobody forced her to sneak out of the house. But he was her teacher. She didn't realize she had a choice to say no. Uh, Mrs. Dustin, 
Amy is underage, that is true. But physically, she is a woman. In India, girls are married by Amy's age. Hell, Juliet wasn't much older than Amy. And if she was sneaking out to see a boy her own age, you wouldn't have a case. I don't know. And the lawyer's like, oh, whose job? And Amy's mother's like, the school. I want to sue the school board. They should have been protecting her. And the guy is pretty much victim victim blaming um, Amy here, saying like, oh, she did agree to have sex with him, and she even snuck out of the house to do it. If this were a kid around Amy's age, you wouldn't have a case. And, I mean, mentally, she's still a child, but physically, she's a woman. And just saying about girls in India, they're like, Amy's age are already married. Or Juliet, when she was 14, she was like, dude, you're bringing up this is America. This isn't India. You can't use... You have nothing to support your argument here, dude. The guy's like, no one forced her to sneak out of the house. And her mother's like, well, he was a teacher. She didn't know she had a choice. Well, this is back in the day when you were taught to respect your elders and listen to adults and everything and do what they say. And adults are always right and everything like that. I mean, yeah, growing up, I always thought, yes, the the adult, the teacher is the authority figure, so I have to do what they say. But he was also blackmailing and manipulating her as well. So he does say, yeah, she's underage, but physically she's a woman. Like, you piece of shit. No, they need to find another fucking lawyer that's not a man. So even Norm... Amy's father is feeling the effects of all of this Nash situ coach coach Nash situation. Starting his business, majority of the men in the town won't even talk to Norm. They all blame Amy for their poor football season because they don't have Nash. This is just horrible. The fact that the whole town knew about what was going on between Nash and Amy before Norm even did. And the guy that's having coffee there, there's like a three guys there with Norm. And the one guy says, well, we knew what a hard time you were having with the dealership. We just wanted to spare you with what was going on with Amy and, you know, Amy's troubles and everything. And the way they're just kind of talking about this make it seem like, oh, it was all Amy's doing. Which, this town is so, all these men are sexist as hell. This guy says something like when girls go to tit nut or something like that whatever I don't know it's just it's disgusting and Norm is like excuse me what did you just say like he wants to pop off and beat the hell out of this dude so Amy's walking the halls guys are calling her slut and other names it's like I'd transfer out of that school that whole town is just absolutely disgusting the way they protect this coach so, Amy goes to the frozen mug only to discover that her friends Kimberly and Kelly, who now should be ex-friends, are talking shit about her. Just saying, oh, it's disgusting. He's a grown man. She practically threw herself at him. And Amy just looks on in horror like, you guys are supposed to be my friends. We got Kelly wearing a letterman's jacket. And Kimberly's just, you know, hanging out with, with, with the guys. It's like, this is sad. That they don't have her back. Well, Amy ends up leaving, but before she does, a girl says, Hey, I think 
for what it's worth, you're doing the right thing. This girl with a jean jacket and purple hoodie and, you know, dark reddish-brown hair says, you know, you're doing the right thing. And Amy stops and looks at her like, you're Missy Ross. And the girl kind of nods like, yeah. And she's like, well, I, she, she skedaddles. She gets out of there. Like, so at least Amy has at least one supporter there. So Amy's going out to her car. You hear people calling her a slut. And she goes and sees whore in red lipstick across her rear view mirror. There's also a noose with a fake rat. At least I hope it's fake. Um, hanging from the rear view mirror. And it's like, what in the hell? And you get shots of the kids from all areas outside of school just looking at her and just glaring at her. It gets even worse with what the whole dang school is out on Amy's front lawn putting up for sale sign instead of by owner. It says by owner is crossed out and it says slut. And then they're painting spray painting slut on the and on the side of the house. They're also scattering trash and everything. And finally the family comes out and the dad like brings out I would have brought out a shotgun. Because he brings out a baseball bat. Like, I'm going to beat the fuck out of you kids. I would have just moved the fuck out of that town. So Amy's mom comes out. She knows one of them is Bobby Earl. She's screaming, like, I'm going to tell your mother. And Amy's dad comes out in a wife beater or a white tank top and a baseball bat. And the guy just jumps in the back of this truck and they zoom off, throwing beer cans <laughs> down the street. Amy finally comes out to see what the commotion is. Like, what in the fuck? So, I'm gonna play this clip here as Amy and her mom are fighting on the front lawn while they're trying to pick up the trash that's been strewn about. Amy's like, see, now they all hate me because we went through with this and got the, te- the uh, Coach Nash fired. And Amy's like, well, he loves me. And her mom's like, loves you? He doesn't love you. He picks a new girl every single year and he brags about it to his friends. That's not love. That man is a sick individual. You know, everybody hates me now. I don't even know why we had to go through with this in the first place. What, and let that man keep doing what he was doing to you? Oh, oh Mom, you don't understand. Oh, I understand, Amy. Believe no, me, No, you don't. No, man, I understand. He loves me. Loves you? He doesn't love you. He picks a different little girl every year. He's sick, Amy. He brags about it to his friends. He's not man enough to pick a grown woman true, to love. Yes, Just he takes a child. Me, no, listen to me. He takes a child who's too innocent to understand what he does. All right, that's yeah, enough. That's it. enough. We only make it worse if we turn on each other. For crying out loud, the man's going to jail. Can't we just put this behind us and get on with our lives instead of just dragging Amy from one lawyer to that another? That man it- preys on a different little girl every year, and everybody just looks the other way. God, you're her father. Don't you even want to stand up for her? Well, I am standing up for her in the best way I know how. Why aren't those other parents coming forward? Because they're cowards, that's why. You just want to flaunt Amy's shame all over town. It's not her shame. It's shame for pretending like it never happened. Just drop it, Betty Ann. I'm putting my foot down now. Stop it. Stop fighting. God, you just... I can't even talk to you anymore. All you do is just turn everything around into your fight. You don't even care about me anymore. 
All you care about is which one of you is right. So Amy and her mother are like screaming at each other. Amy's like, no, he loves me. You don't understand. He loves me. And her mother's like, no, he, he's every single year he does this. He picks a child that is too innocent to understand and he takes advantage of her and everything. The whole town just looks the other way like it's not a big deal. And they're just screaming at each other till the, you know, Amy's father comes in and says, look, we got to stick together. We're not helping ourselves screaming at each other and turning on each other. We just want to put this behind us. And then Amy's parents start arguing with each other till she finally says, look, you're making this fight about you when it's about me. Just stop fighting. You don't even care about me anymore. It's always about who's right with you both. So basically, Amy's mother comes to Amy, who's trying to sleep, and just says, Look, honey, I want you to know that I'm behind you, that I should have been putting you first. And if you want to drop this whole thing with the lawsuit, then I will more than happily, we will do that. And I want you to know that I'm behind you in whatever decision you make. Granted, there's like eight minutes left of this movie, so they really got to wrap things up fast. This the reconciliation, um, the resolution between the parents got to try to come together and stop fighting and realizing they need to work together for Amy's sake. So Amy's parents at the in the kitchen, they finally come to an understanding. He's like, honey, if you want to look for another lawyer, if you want to continue this, okay. I really should have been backing you up on this. I'm sorry. I'm just... I don't mean to fight with you. It's just we have to put Amy first. It's just... Neither of them really know what's right anymore. And it's just... It's very confusing and upsetting. They're putting so much stress on each other and on Amy. But at least, you know, they're hugging and they're trying to come together on this to do what's best for Amy. So finally, they are seeing a female lawyer. And you might recognize this lady if you watch the short-lived show on ABC in 1996 to I think even 97 uh, called Second Noah. She played Shirley. She played the housekeeper to the Beckett family. And she asked Amy do you think the other students knew that what was going on in the lab room and Amy's like I didn't care I just felt you know this teacher is so great and the fact that he had chosen me it's like you see how this town reacted to this you know coach being fired they turned on Amy like it's her fault but they built this man up they put him on a pedestal and I mean I finally see in a way what Amy's saying is the fact that this amazing teacher slash coach of this entire school of this whole town picked her and took an interest in her out of all these other girls and it did make Amy feel special so the lawyer is definitely asking the questions that that jerk off man lawyer should have been asking her but at least this is a woman coming to another woman and asking her the important questions. One of which is, did he ever isolate you from your friends? And Amy says, yeah, he did. He made me feel important. And another question she asks is, did you ever at any time feel afraid of 
Mr. Nash. Another thing she, uh, Amy had mentioned was the fact that she made, or Nash made her feel powerful. Like she had all the power and that, you know, she could do with it what she would. But, um, and Amy mentions in answer to the question of has he ever done anything to make you afraid of him or something like that. And Amy says one time he talked to a teacher, another teacher of mine, into giving me a good grade on a paper. And Amy says she knew that he could have talked that teacher into giving her a bad grade just as easily as talking her into giving her an A. I mean, I think, you know, looking back now, Amy does realize that she was being manipulated, that this man did hold all the cards, and that he could just as easily take all this admiration away. And the fact that she was a girl who just felt ignored by her parents, her parents were fighting all the time, and this person comes along and builds you up, puts you on a pedestal, and makes you feel special and important, and you feel appreciated. And just the idea that this man could just at any moment take all of this away and then the blame and the scorn and the looks and the rumors from everyone else would be piled onto you. Because nothing could touch this this man, this amazing coach and everything. He's solid gold. Nothing can touch him. Even now that he's been incarcerated, this town turns on Amy because... This man is their their golden man, and that he could do no wrong, even though he's he's breaking the law. So the lawyer asks Amy, "Can you tell me about the first time?" And Amy says, "Well, it was at his house at the night of the con- after the concert." So Amy explains that we were in Cassie's room. Cassie was in another room. And the lawyer says, well, with Cassie and Nash's family down the hall in another room, did you want to have sex with him? And you see Amy kind of shake her head. She doesn't give a verbal answer. But now we're cutting to the detention center where Nash is. And there's like an assistant coach that comes to visit him. So the assistant coach sits down across from Nash and says, hey, you look good, are they treating you okay here? Nash right away has got a letter like, hey, can you give this to Amy for me? And the guy's eyes practically bug out of his head. Like, I, I, I can't, I can't do that. Like, definitely, like, don't bring me into this. Like, you're the one who's behind bars for what you did and you still are just continuing on this fascination train. Like, you won't let go of your hold on Amy. Even behind bars, he's trying to contact her and continue this charade of his undying devotion to Amy. This guy is mentally, there's so much wrong with him. But this town paints him as the victim. But I think maybe this coach is trying to, is really saying like, okay, there's something not right. You're incarcerated for what you did with this child, yet you still want to have contact with her. So Nash is all like, why not? Why can't you give her this note for me? And the guy's like, I just can't, okay? And Nash is all like, well, the town is all wrong. You know, I love this girl. And the, the assistant coach is like, Nash... That's not how you love a child. You don't do that. She's a child. 
And the guy finally stands up, like, you know, I should not have come. And Nash is all looking at this guy, like, what's his problem? What the hell? So I went and played this clip through with Amy with the lawyer on word to the assistant coach visiting Nash. Do you think people knew what was going on between you in the lab room? I don't care. Why should I? Everybody thought he was great and he had chosen me. Was he isolating you from your friends? Yes, but... He made me feel important. I mean, like, I had all the power. It was up to me if I used it or not. Power to do what? Were you ever afraid of Mr. Nash? He talked a teacher once into giving me a good grade. I knew he could just as easily have talked her into giving me a bad one. Did you still feel like you had the power? No, but everybody knew by then. How'd that make you feel? I hated it. Tell me again about the first time. I was at his house after the concert. And where were you? We were in Cassie's room. Where's Cassie? She's in another room. Okay. Right then, right there, with his wife and family down the hall. Did you want to have sex with him? Why did you? Second chair right there. Thanks for coming. Hey, you bet. You look good. You treating you all right? Listen, uh, you think you can get this note to Amy for me? I can't do that. Why not? <laughs> I just can't. You know what? Everybody's got this all wrong. I never meant to hurt that girl. But the thing of it is, Mickey, I, I love her. I mean, I really do love her. She is a child, Pete. That's not the way you love a child. Listen, man, I, I shouldn't have come. I gotta go. So this lawyer here, the man lawyer, says that school districts and the officials are not, by federal law, not responsible for what, for the actions of the teachers. That's not good. But the female lawyer does say that I think we need to approach this as a civil suit or a civil action lawsuit where the rights of a student are protected against sexual abuse, which definitely, yes. Now, the man teacher, this guy looks different. He may not be the same guy, which is probably just as well, that it is going to be a bit difficult because there isn't a law out there protecting a student from the actions of a teacher. But the female lawyer says she and Tony, who is the, the male lawyer, that they may, even though there's not a precedent for it, she feels she and Tony can set one, which is good because this needs it. The mother 
Amy's mother is overjoyed, definitely. But poor Amy just, she just wants this over with, which I understand. Who wouldn't just want this mess over with? So I'm going to play this clip. Law, school districts and their officials aren't responsible for the acts of the teachers. We think the best thing to do is approach this as a civil rights issue. A school child has the right to be free from sexual abuse. Now, it won't be easy. Teacher having sex with a student hasn't been established as a specific civil rights violation. There's no precedent for it. But Mrs. Dustin, Tony and I think we might just be able to set one. <laughs> Honey. were driving back from speaking with the lawyers and her mother finally pull, she pulls over to the side she's asking Amy what's going on Amy's like I'm fine and Amy's just I get it she's upset she doesn't want to be known as Amy Dustin the student that was in love with the child molester and all of that and her mother is like honey we don't have to do this if you don't want to do this and Amy finally decides, it's like, yeah, but maybe I could stop this from happening to somebody else. And her and her mom hug, and it just, it's a bittersweet ending that this had to happen, but it, this movie has a good message about seeing someone in a position of power use that power to take advantage of a child. Creating that, you know, making people aware that these things happen in schools. We can't sweep this under the rug, like, or turn a blind eye, like this whole town was protecting this man and blaming the victim. So I did take a little screenshot here of what it says at the end of the movie. It says, in the suit that Amy brought, the court established that children have a constitutional right not to be sexually molested by school teachers. In the majority opinion, the court found that this is not about a high school coach who happened to have an affair with a student. It is about abuse of power. Alright, and... Next week, we will be getting into a lighter, funnier, family-oriented movie. For the 30th anniversary, I will be covering Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. 
So look forward to that. Everyone have a wonderful, great week. The last full week in September. I cannot believe we're already at oh, just about at the end of September. This is crazy. And we'll be welcoming the first day of fall tomorrow. Everyone have a great week. Bye-bye.